New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. Obviously, obviously, you can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Can't you put that together? Have you ever flown in an airplane or buckled your seatbelt up in the car? Have you? Huh? Don't you have any pride in yourself? No, you don't. You have no pride in yourself because if you did, you wouldn't look like this. It's disgusting. I can't believe that you walk in here like that and look like this. But I'll try to help you. The only reason you come in here is just to see me anyway, Mr. Wonderful. That's the only reason you come in here. Let's try to work on your pecs. You know what a pec is? That's a pec, okay? We're gonna try to take some of this, some of this, and put it there, okay? Big pecs, that's what we want, big pecs. Your husband will love big pecs. Okay, grab this right here. Give me about 20 reps with it, okay? Push them up and think about what you're doing. Make them pecs work. Make them work. Yeah, that's right. Make them work. You know, this woman here is totally totally so far gone that uh, I don't know if there's anything that could be done for her or not if you want to know the truth. She's so far overweight, but as I can see, she's got all her teeth. You know, most fat women that I know don't have teeth. She does have all her teeth, I will say that. Keep going, keep going. A few extra reps ain't gonna hurt you. But you know, it's one thing that a person, right there is a perfect example of a person that has no pride in their self. No pride in their self, no pride in their body. It's disgusting, I don't like it. I don't even like to be around people like this here. Keep going, it ain't gonna hurt you, just keep going. Keep grunting them out, you need a lot of work. And you need to stay away from that table. You stay at the table, I'm sure the whole family's probably gone off and in bed asleep and you're still sitting at the table eating. Am I right or wrong? I bet you go up and down them steps every night long getting in that refrigerator eating something, aren't you? Right? Mm -hmm. Well, this has gotta stop. This has got to stop, because there's no need in that. Whatever I say, that's right. Okay, that's good right there. Let's go over here to the tricep machine, and I'll show you the correct way to work your triceps. Come on, let's get huffing. Come on, come on. Come on, you're too slow. Come on. Come on, come on, follow me over to the tricep machine. Come on, let's see if you can get in here. I bet it's going to be tight. That's just what I thought. Come on. Yeah, hold this. Oh, Lord, I'm telling you. I don't know why I'm wasting my time. Okay, put your hands up here. Pull the other one up like this here. Okay, put your hands up like this here. Okay, what you do is you keep your elbows down. Keep your elbows down here and come back. Both of them back at the same time and up. Okay, do 25 reps. What we're working here is the tricep. This part of the arm. See that? See that tricep? That's what we're working, okay? Okay. Okay, let me see do 40 of those. Come on. Keep them going and we'll work that tricep. Don't worry about how many I said, just keep going. See, that's why you look the way you look, because you argue all the time. You probably argue at your husband when he tells you to get away from the table, you argue with him because you want to stay there and eat, don't you? Right or wrong? And that's why you look like you look. So don't argue with me if you want to, don't waste my time. Come on. Think about what you're doing. Try to lose all that fat, come on. See, it takes a lot of work. You've got to have pride in yourself. You're not willing to pay the price. I can't do it anymore. Okay, that's enough then. 
That's enough. That's good. Okay. Next, we'll go there and do some abdominals on the abdominal machine. You got a long ways to go, honey. A long way. No, you got in it. You get out yourself. Get your hands off of me, you fat pig! Don't ever put your hands on me. Don't ever let me see you in a gym again. You hog. Can you imagine if that segment aired on WWE TV today? Jesus Christ, the backlash. And we only covered that one fat hog. Not only was Paul Orndorff fat shaming during that segment, but he was also skinny shaming. And that happened this week in wrestling history. What's up, everyone? Don Tony here. I am back. It is season two, episode 24 of This Week in Wrestling History. This week, we cover the period of June 11th through June 17th. I got to be honest with everyone. I know this show officially started the first week in January 2018. But I had also done it about six or seven months prior, even though it was not officially its own separate show. You demanded it, you got it. But I got to tell you, in the two plus years of putting these episodes together, this week by far was the most fun to do. Also the hardest one, I might add. Not only did I aim to give you a lot of uh, segments that you did not hear in the past this week in history, but the amount of content this week, I guarantee you, if you enjoy these shows on a regular basis, I think you'll look back at it and say that this week's episode has got to be easily top three of all time. We got so much fun to get into. My God, you have no idea so I want to start right off with 1979. I've played this in the past, so I'm not going to share it right now. But it is a fun match to go check out. You could watch it on YouTube. This week in 79, uh, Bill Dundee and Jerry the King Lawler lost the AWA Southern Tag Team titles to Larry Latham and Wayne Ferris, the Blonde Bombers. You know Wayne Ferris better as the Honky Tonk Man. Well wasn't necessarily the match that people remember. It's what took place after. It took place in Tupelo, Mississippi, and after the bout was over, they had this wild brawl in the concession stands. You had food, mustard, weapons. It, it, some people call it the birth of hardcore wrestling. I wouldn't go that far, but it is so much fun to watch. It still stands up to the to today. And as I have said in the past, one thing that I loved about Lance Russell is he would ad lib to make you think that he thought the cameras weren't rolling, this wasn't featured on TV, and he would just make this sound so realistic. Man is is an absolute genius on the mic. It's one that is not celebrated enough. When people look back at the annals of wrestling history, we're commentating. A lot of people go right to Gordon Soley, Jim Ross, Bobby Heenan, and a few others. But man, Lance Russell, top of my list with them, to be honest with you. 1983, world-class championship wrestling as their Star Wars event at Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas. Match results, Genichiro Tenru over Johnny Mantel. Vicky Carranza over Lola Gonzalez to win the Mexican National Women's Championship. Al Madrill, Chavo Guerrero, and Jose Lothario over Wild Bill Irwin, Fishman, and the Mongol. 
Iceman King Parsons over Buddy Roberts in a hair versus hair match. David Von Erich and Jimmy Jam Garvin with Sunshine. Uh, they fought for the world-class Texas Heavyweight Championship, and David Von Erich wins the belt. Jumbo Saruta. Uh, went to a draw against Ted DiBiase, so Jumbo Suruta uh, retains the All Japan United National Championship. Giant Baba defeats King Kong Bundy to retain the All Japan Pro Wrestling slash PWF heavyweight title. Kamala over Aman Hussein, Mike Bond, and Toliatsu in a three-on-one handicap loser leaves town match. Holly Race retains the NWA World Heavyweight title, defeating Kerry Von Erich. And the main event, Bruiser Brody and Kerry Von Erich over the Fabulous Freebirds to win the NWA American Tag Team titles. This was an awesome card. Look at all the witness reports and just the footage that uh, back in the day, man, was that an awesome card. 1984, you heard it at the beginning of this broadcast Paul Orndorff, WWF TV, we see this. Now, Paul Orndorff was in the WWF for a very short period of time. Mr. Wonderful, you know, and, and for people that don't understand, the gimmick really uh, reflected real life. Art imitates life. All reports that Paul Orndorff, back in the day in the gym, was the biggest scumbag out there. Um, now, look, I have nothing but love for Paul Orndorff. I had the privilege of interviewing him back in the early 2000s. One of my favorites of all time. But when you read a lot of uh, accounts from former bodybuilders and gym rats who used to uh, go especially to the World Gym in Hamden, Connecticut, they tell you a lot about Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff in the gym. Uh, very cocky, very arrogant, just wanted to be to himself in defense of Mr. Wonderful. But we got that segment this time in 84, and it's one that I never get uh, tired of watching. But that's not it. Not only did we... See, people don't realize that this, these two segments happened so close together. At the same time, we had all this... Uh, controversy with Mr. Wonderful just fat and skinny shaming people at the gym. We had the infamous segment featuring Dr. D, David Schultz, at home with his family. I, I have said for decades, I know a lot of you as well. I can't believe it's decades already when you think of Stone Cold Steve Austin, but I know a lot of you out there have said it as well. Dr. D, David Schultz, the original Stone Cold. Man, you just look at that character back then. He was just the, the Texas rattlesnake. I mean, maybe you wouldn't classify him as from being from Texas. Dr. D was just awesome. You know, it's a shame what happened with the John Stossel incident and a few other things because his career in the WWF kind of got derailed after that. Who could ever forget his appearance on Morton Downey Jr.? I think he made two appearances on there. But it was this week in 84 that we got at home with Dr. D and his family. In case you never saw it, eh, just give it a listen. And uh, yeah, not only does he badmouth his kids and his wife, but he kind of insinuates that he wants to throw a slap or two. Another segment that you would never, ever, 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 ever dare to try to do on today's TV. And you know what? That might be a good thing, but still, this week... In 84. Hey, hello. Yeah. 
Yeah, y'all come on in here. Y'all come on in. How y'all doing today? Kids, come on. Y'all get back in here in the living room. Got the TV station coming in here. Yeah, y'all just come on in and bring it. Uh, hey, woman, come on in here. Yeah, this TV station, they're going to do a special on me. They want to see uh, just how the doctor really is when he's at home. Well, yeah, y'all. Cameras, just give me a little room. Okay, okay how's that? Yeah, I'll just. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad y'all can make it out here today because everybody you know is always talking about Dr. D, how crazy he is. And when y'all come to me, come to me, you boys better shut up over there now, hold it down. Now I mean it too. Game manners. Well, what's wrong with them kids? You know, I'm gone a lot. I'm gone a whole lot. But when I get home, anyway, y'all are here to eat supper. We're getting back on that subject now. You're here to eat supper. Is supper ready? Just about, David. Just about. Didn't I tell you they was coming? They'd be here? No, you didn't. Are you calling me a liar? You wouldn't do that. No. You better not ever do it. No. Go in there and get dinner ready. What a... Boy, I'll tell you. Oh, See, they, they just... Uh... People just take advantage of you, man. You try to be nice to people. You know, you boys, I done told you now. Get on out of here. Come on. Come on. Come on, boys. Get out of here. Go play at the dog or something. Don't come back in either until I holler for you. Well, maybe we can get something done. You know, it's hard to let people come into my home because it's private. As you people know, I don't like many people at all. Everybody's saying that I'm crazy. Everybody's saying that I'm goofy. Everybody's saying that I'm not this and not that. Well, I don't care what you say about me. I give you a chance to come into my home to see how I live outside the ring. I guess you thought I'd be just like I was on television, always screaming and hollering, hurting people and stuff like that. Well, I can't do it here. I can't do it. Not that sometime I wouldn't want to. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, let me tell you. Mm. Sometimes I just like them. Just... But anyway, y'all here to say. Anyway, you know, this house here is a very expensive house if you had it built. But the doctor's done everything that can be done. I've been all over the world. I've stayed in the finest hotels all over. I rode to Concord and put in to go in the space shuttle. And I built this house with these mamas right here. Oh yeah, every piece of it, all by myself. Didn't have no help from nobody, didn't need nobody. That's the reason I want you people to see that I'm just like everybody else. I got a wife, I got kids. But I don't let them run over me. And this I mean, is my relax. I guess you thought I was through talking. Excuse me, honey. Supper's ready. Well, okay. Get the kids in. Bring them in here. Tell them get up there and wash your hands. Y'all come on in. We'll have something to eat here. She finally got it ready. I'm sorry about the delay there. Y'all come on in here. Sit. You boys get over here to the table. Sit down here. We're going to get something. Y'all sit down right there. Get something to eat here. Whoa! What in the world is wrong with you, woman? You move the table out there, what do you do that for? You out of your mind? 
Damn, you know what those cost? I don't know. What is this? The city dump? Huh? You didn't have time. You didn't have chance. Sit down. Sit down. Get something to eat. You ain't got time to do nothing. Boy, I... What is this? It's pizza, Daddy. I can see it's pizza. I'm not a fool. You think you made a fool? You're making a fool out of me what you're doing on national TV. Hey, I'm sorry. I told the woman to have something to eat fixed here for us to eat. I don't know what's wrong with her. Get up and get us something to eat or something. Do something. Don't just sit there like a goof or something. What are you smiling at? I'll slap that smile off your face. Don't smile at me, boy. Don't you laugh either. I mean it. Well, you're going to eat it or you're going to stand there and stare at it. Eat it. Eat it now. Here, eat another piece of bread. Here, you eat a piece of bread. Here, you want another one? I'm sorry. I told you all you'd come over. I invite you for supper. They put this out here, this goof here. I don't know what's wrong with you. Are you plumb out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? I'm talking to you, girl. I just was fixing a little supper for the kids. These ain't kids. These are TV people. When you're out. I wasn't expecting them, David. Well, I told you they was coming. It's just go on. Get out of here. I don't even want you out of here. I shouldn't even let you come down here out of the bedroom anyway. What are you looking at? You got a problem? Get upstairs. I don't want you down here either. Boy, this is ridiculous. I ain't never seen nothing. Hey, I don't know. Anyway, like I said, I'm like you people out there, man. I got wife, I got kids, I got problems. Only thing I know how to take. What are you looking at? Hand me that tea, boy. You ain't gonna drink it. I got problems, he's got problems. Oh! Boy, get up, get up, get up, go, get, get up, stand. When I get through, I'm gonna get you too. Get your brother too. I'm gonna get all of y'all. Hey, I tell you, I'm just upset, man. I, I don't know. I'm tired. I shouldn't invite you out here in the first place. It's a private home. Get your stuff up. Just get out, okay? Just get out. I'm tired of everything. I'm tired of the chicken and the pizza. Get out. Yeah, y'all get on out of here. What's wrong with you? Crazy? Come out here and try to make a fool out of me. Get the camera out of here. Don't ever come back. I'm sick and tired of everybody and everything. Woman. 1985. The hits just keep on coming. Got a nice audio tribute in a moment, but first, let's cover this week in 85, the macho man Randy Savage makes his WWF debut. Now, me, I've lived in New York my entire life. So for me, being on the Northeast, the WWF was my promotion to watch. And the only thing that I knew about the macho man for the most part was what I saw in magazines. So to finally get to see him on a regular basis in the WWF at that time was just fucking awesome. But what was probably even better for me was to finally get the same week, the same week that the Macho Man debuted in WWF, we had uh, the debut of this man. Sure, you big, good-looking animal. Whoa. You know, I rode over to my neighbor's house. I said, hey, how big are Hulk Hogan's arms? He was bragging about Hulk Hogan. I said, they're bigger than yours. I said, well, how big are Jimmy Snooker's arms? He said, they're bigger than yours. I said, well, how big is Ricky Steamboat's arm? He said, oh, they're a lot bigger than yours, too. I said, well, I want you to know something, neighbor. I have an extra large, an extra large. 
maybe not arms, maybe not legs, but I have an extra large. What I have an extra large in is a heart. That's right, I've got an extra large heart, and that's what counts in sports. It's nothing else. So all of those muscles, that makes me hot. And every time I think about it, it makes me hot. It makes me hotter and hotter and hotter. Well, I'm so hot. I'm juicy. The running gag about that vignette is if you listen to it again and you just really take a step back, you could replace heart with penis. People like to have a good laugh with that. In fact, that's not the only promo that you will hear this week from Terry Funk that kind of has a little bit of a dual meaning to it, I guess you could say. Stick it out, Flair. Stick it out. But before that, we now have Terry Funk in the WWF. And it was this week in 85 that he made his in-ring debut on a regular basis. And who could ever forget that before his match went down, you had Mel Phillips, that fucking pedophile that disappeared off the face of the earth. You can't even fucking find him online. You can't even do an IntelliSearch on Mel Phillips. Nobody. I mean, there was some reports maybe 10 years ago, I think, that he had like a belt Maybe the Mr. Perfect. Remember when he de demolished Hogan's title on Saturday Night's Main Event? I think Mel Phillips had that belt and sold it to someone. I, I'm just, you know, I didn't do research for this right now. I think that's what it was. But that man, you know, you do some research and see what that guy has been accused of doing. It was, it's not good. Not good. But in 85, did we know the story behind Mel Phillips? Absolutely not. So to see Terry Funk do what he did on TV, instant heel, instant heel. And in case you don't recall what happened, well, right before Terry Funk's match, you know, he's taking his, you know, his uh, vest off. He's got his cowboy hat. He gives it to Mel Phillips, who used to always get the ring robes and stuff, you know, as the wrestlers are taking off their uh, attire to prepare for the match. And Mel Phillips, because he has nowhere to put the hat, he decides to put it on for a minute. And Vince McMahon, you know, with that corny laugh at that time, ha, 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 I can't do it. I, it's early. But uh, you'll hear for yourself. Introducing first to my right. From San Benito, Texas, weighing 235 pounds, Aldo Marino. His opponent from the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas, weighing 260 pounds, Terry Funk. That's a big, tough hombre, as Bruno Sammartino said earlier on. Perhaps the toughest wrestler to ever hail from the Lone Star State. And Mr. Funk has asked for a little assistance here. Terry Funk has made quite a reputation for himself through the years. This guy has been everywhere and he's met them all. And he is a tough, tough man. He's a vicious man. But nevertheless, he's been a winner throughout his wrestling career. Oh, look at that! <laughs> Oh, 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 no, oh, no, oh, oh, wait a minute, oh, no, oh, oh, come on, look what's happening, I can't, Terry Funk, the ring attendant was simply, oh, my goodness, 
simply trying to take his thing. Oh. Oh, this poor man. Look at this now. That was the, uh, the ring attendant. My goodness. some reputation for this sort of thing. I think that's just about the wildest thing I've ever seen in my life. No doubt about it. Look at this. The man's been carried back and he is hurt. There's no question he is seriously hurt. Oh. Terry Fox taking over on Aldo Marino where he left off on the ring attendant. Marie, the official, the first lady official in the World Wrestling Federation, and she has her hands full in this match, I'll tell you. Ooh, ah. I thought if she's ever run into a situation like this. Marino, through the ropes to the outside. Uh-oh. Funk on the far side. He's just crazy enough to go right out into the... Uh, that's Funk. Right into the fans, I think. Hey, that's Terry Funk. He's known to do a lot of crazy things. This is a crazy wild man. Well, you were right when you said he was a meanest wrestler to ever hail from the Lone Star State. He took no time at all in proving that. Well, Reversal. Buck to the buckle. with a suplex just moments ago and ooh Clayton kicked to the head Arena up in the air ooh. Terry Fox Now, looking back on that segment, it's very enjoyable, especially if you watch it close. It looks like Funk actually lands a couple of kicks. It was a beautiful visual on TV. If you notice some interviews that Terry Funk has done over the years, they kind of shy away from the whole Mel Phillips topic altogether. But do you remember Terry Funk's first full-blown feud in the WWF at that time? It was against the Junkyard Dog. You remember how it all started? Well... Let me uh, refresh your memory. You know, not too long after this beatdown that Terry Funk did to Mel Phillips, Terry Funk was going to have another match, regular WWF TV against, uh, I guess you could call a jobber, enhanced talent. 
And uh, Mel Phillips shows up at ringside. Now, did we want Mel Phillips as a fucking character? No. He fucking guy was jerk-off. I mean, we didn't know at the time what he ended up doing, but still, he was a jerk-off. So he shows up at ringside, you know, Terry Funk teasing that he might beat up Mel Phillips again. And this time, Mel Phillips is saved by JYD. We will see, no doubt, this man literally branded... This you won't often see, maybe never will see again. Yep. He's, he's banded. Wait a minute. Out at ringside. That's Mel Phillips. That's the young ring attendant. Yes. That's the young ring attendant that, that was beaten unmercifully by Terry Fuck for wearing his hat. Look at Fuck's going after him. Mel Phillips chasing. Fuck's going right after him. Here he goes again. Fuck trying to catch Mel. Whoa, baby. Whoa, baby. The junkyard dog is right there. That brought a halt on Terry Funk. Fuck wants to get to the hat and standing in the way, the 280-pound junkyard dog. Look at this. Buck wants a position to challenge. He wants the junkyard dog to get to the ring. And here he oh, goes. No, no. Buck taking over the junkyard dog. Ooh, Buck got hit by the dog. Almost got the Mel Phillips. Oh, Buck wants that hat back so bad. Oh, does he want it back? Throws the hat down to the floor. Standing behind the junkyard dog, Jimmy Hart trying to keep Terry Funk from entering the ring. Funk wants to have his way at the junkyard dog, and Jimmy Hart warning him against it. The junkyard dog, along with a young man who was branded her. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Look at John Just come on, come on in. Jimmy Hart pulling Terry Funk away. Here's a little bonus clip. I will admit it has nothing to do with the Terry Funk JYD storyline, but it's amusing nonetheless. That is Mel Phillips return the favor to the junkyard dog for saving him. Well, he forgets his name. Soon to be making his way to the ring area, his opponent from Charlotte, North Carolina, weighing 280 pounds, the junk yard. Our community looks in fantastic condition That actually did happen. Not too long after that whole segment with JYD. Yeah, it was pretty funny. He fucking had a brain cramp and just totally forgot Junkyard Dog's name. But uh, one more clip I want to share with you. Actually, you know, let's give you two more because they both happened this week in wrestling history. 1987, two years later, 
He's now showing up for Florida, Florida Championship Wrestling, just about ready to go under. You know, took a hiatus, came back a little, you know, under a, a, a different name because Crockett had bought it down and blah, 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 blah. But before it actually had closed down for a little while, uh, Terry Funk arrives in Florida with his brother Dory. And Terry Funk cut this legendary promo that a lot of people remember as the Funk, Funk, and Florida promo. This week in 87. You know, I'm sure... Being the wrestling fans that you are, you are well aware of the NWA, the largest wrestling conglomerate in wrestling today with over 220 syndicated stations. And I'm sure you're also familiar with the AWA and the WWF. These are all multi-million dollar organizations. But yet, there is a new one on the sunrise, on the sunrise in Florida. And do you know what that organization is? That is the F, F, and F. Funk, Funk, and Florida. Believe me, the Funk brothers have come to Florida and now we don't have millions of dollars. We don't have money to throw around. We don't have 220 syndicated stations. But what are we? We are individuals and we are the best athletes in professional wrestling today. Now aren't you Haitians? Aren't you Cubans? Aren't Aren't you crackers so fortunate to have the Funk brothers around? Tor Dory and Terry Funk. Now, what has happened to Black Jack Mulligan? Well, he's become what he once be was before. He is a chicken plucking chicken back in Sweetwater, Texas, because he realized that if he stayed around the state of Florida, that he wouldn't be able to compete, to be on the main events, because he is a lesser caliber wrestler than what the funks are. He is not a has-been. I hate to inform you people that, that the old prune-faced, wrinkled-up Black Jack Mulligan is what I have always said he was, is a never was. Now, we have got Mike Rotundo. Oh, Mike, aren't you so pretty? Aren't you so handsome? Look in yourself in the mirror, and there is a last time that you will ever get to see yourself looking like that. Because we have got the money up. The dollars, the silver dollars, money on the line that you will be putting out of wrestling. Now let's get down to Kevin Sullivan. Is this all that you have left is Kevin Sullivan? And he's crying that he has not Black Jack Mulligan anymore. Well, he's begging for the American dream. Don't you realize Dusty Rhodes will not come in here and help you, Sullivan? Do you know why? Because he is nothing more than an overbearing.
kind obnoxious putrid egg sucking dog that wouldn't come in here and take a chance cause he's yellow like his hair he won't take a chance being your partner Sullivan no he wouldn't take a chance with the funks with a Sherman tank he wouldn't take a chance with the funks with a battleship he would not take a chance with the funks in the ring with Ollie North and neither would Ollie North take a chance in getting in the ring with my brother here on myself well, Terry, I just want to promise everybody that this Florida Heavyweight Championship belt, which is what we came to the state of Florida for, is going to stay around my waist. I don't care what the NWA says. I don't care what Championship Wrestling from Florida says, the commission. And the only way anybody's going to take this belt away from me is to pin my shoulders to the mat for a three count. And that challenge is open to Mike Rotundo. That's my bubba. And finally, this week in 89 with Terry Funk, he's right smack in the feud with Ric Flair and uh, cuts this, you know, pretty entertaining promo on WCW television. Oh, let me tell you something, Jim Ross, and you simple-minded people. I had a dream last night. Oh, yes, and it was a beautiful dream. I dreamed that I was on the front porch of the Double Cross Ranch, and my father, who's long since gone, was there in a swing, swinging with me, and up drove a long black limousine, and the left front fender was knitted in, and the door opened, and out stepped a beautiful lady. And my daddy said, Woman... What happened to your left front fender? And she says, I ran over some kind of an animal on the road. I don't know what it was. My daddy said, well, what did it look like? And she says, well, it had great big ears. And it had nostrils, big, huge nostrils, about five inches apart. And it had horse teeth. And it smelled real bad. And my daddy said, my world, girl, you must have ran over a jackass. And I said, what did it smell like? She said, it smelled like hairspray and cheap cologne. I said, woman, you didn't run over any jackass. You ran over Ric Flair. Is he dead? She says, no, but the last time I saw him, he was running scared. Well, let me tell you something, Ric Flair. You look at me in the eye because I am looking at you. You realize that you must live not in the future because there is none. You must live in the past. Give up that belt or I'll stick your neck out one more time for me. Stick it out for me, Flair, you gutless individual. I'm talking to you. That's enough. Stick it out. Stick it out. We're not going to listen anymore to this. Fans, we'll be back with the Steiners. Stick it out for me, Flair. Stick it out. I love it. Anyway, well, I don't love it, but it's funny. Finally, you know, just one little tidbit. We talked about Terry Funk, Macho Man, making their debuts on that taping. You know, the U.S. Express, Mike Rotundo and Barry Windham, they defeated the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov to win the WWF tag titles, all on that taping. Pretty damn entertaining for everybody who tuned uh, in live that time to see it up close and personal. 
Now we fast forward all the way to 1992. Chico, we finally got to see the first vignette on WWF TV for the soon-to-be debuting Reza Ramon. Say hello to Reza Ramon. Check my ride, man. He's a Cadillac, man. Custom made for Reza. You know, Chico, 90 miles away, they're living like pigs. They're living in squalor, man. They're eating garbage. People telling them what to do. Nobody telling Razor Ramon what to do, man. Nobody. I coming to the WWF. Nobody going to stop me. Nobody going to tell Razor Ramon what to do. El Jefe. Razor Ramon. It's not the only time you're going to hear Razor Ramon in this episode because uh, we had kind of a death, so to speak, of Razor Ramon. We'll get into that a little bit later. Same week, 1992. Uh, Hulk Hogan at the time had his vitamin company. You know, he was selling those children's chewable vitamins, five different pla- flavors. Yes, I definitely had my mother buy them for me at the time. You know, something like that. You bought it. You were a Hulkamaniac, and that shit came out. Yes, 92, a little bit older, you know, as far as, you know, being a Hulk Hogan fan. But I know for a fact I still had those. Reminded me of Flintstone vitamins from what I remember. But still, nonetheless, when the vitamins first came out a couple of years earlier, it was a big success, big-time sales. By 1992, started dwindling down. I don't know if it was controversy with steroids, stuff like that. I just think that Hulk Hogan, you know, was just, you know, getting out of tune with uh, young wrestling fans. You know, he wasn't, uh, you know, larger than life superhero from 85. Yes, he was still larger than life. But 92, you know, people kind of, let's put it this way, kids Young kids that were introduced to Hulk Hogan in 92 wasn't the same as kids being introduced to Hulk Hogan in 84. So the vitamin company filed bankruptcy this week in 92. Another disaster business-wise wrestling-related this week in 92. The World Bodybuilding Federation, the WBF, uh, had their second championship from Long Beach, California. You know, Gary Stridham wins for the second year in a row. This was, you know, Vince McMahon's project that just went under, you know, tried to get Lex Luger a little bit more involved with it. I was the workaround to get Luger and WWF TV you know, shortly after him leaving WCW, but he had that obvious motorcycle accident. Um, there were other people who were supposed to be part of the WWF. I think Matt Lauer was supposed to be an original commentator. 
did not work out. Lou Ferrigno was supposed to be part of the pay-per-view, the uh, event 92. That didn't work out, and uh, they just got killed. Never clicked, never got over. They tried to have a little bit of WWF interaction. Who could ever remember WBF body stars? They did the tug-of-war stuff with the WWF wrestlers. After this competition in 92, it was done. 1993, King of the Ring, Dayton, Ohio. Dark match, Papa Shango over Owen Hart. You had uh, the King of the Ring quarterfinal matches, Bret Hart over Razor, Mr. Perfect over Mr. Hughes, Bam Bam Bigelow over Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Lex Luger and Tatanka ended in a time limit draw. Semifinal, Bret Hart over Mr. Perfect. The WWF Heavyweight Championship was on the line. Yokozuna defeats Hulk Hogan to win the belt. Remember the controversy? The fireball. Harvey Whippleman throwing it in Hogan's face was never explained. But it was the way for Hogan to lose the belt kind of cheaply. Didn't want to get pinned clean by Yokozuna. The Smoking Guns team up with the Steiner Brothers to defeat the Head Shrinkers and Money Incorporated. For the Intercontinental Championship, Shawn Michaels retains, uh, defeating Crush. And the main event for the King of the Ring, Bret Hart defeats Bam Bam Bigelow. 1994, we already knew it was a done deal. We just needed for it to be quote-unquote official on TV. This week in 94, anybody that was watching WCW Saturday Night, always a pre-recorded show. During the broadcast, they cut to a live feed going down in Orlando, Florida. The parade. Hulk Hogan celebrating. Hulk Hogan signing with WCW. Complete with a parade. Lots of kids. Press conference. Signs the contract. Blah, 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 blah. First match is going to be against Ric Flair. I think it was Bash at the Beach. And the rest is history. Now, rather than share the audio from the parade and the speech, which we've done in the past, I'm going to share with you right now an interview that Sean Oliver did with Eric Bischoff talking about Hulk Hogan signing with WCW and how everything went down this week in 1994. Take me through the whole Hogan story. Um, when does this idea bubble to the surface? Well, if he signed in June, it probably was April, March or April. It might have occurred more than likely that it started at a Disney taping a couple months prior to that. Was he down there doing Thunder in Paradise? Yeah, he was doing okay. Thunder in Paradise. We were shooting a show. And I don't remember who the liaison was. Somebody said, somebody said to Hulk, hey, you know, Eric Bischoff would like to talk to you. And Hulk gave him, Hulk said, here's, give him my number. They gave him, Hulk, my number. And... I remember specifically, it was one of those moments, there was a couple moments in my wrestling career that I remember very vividly, and this was one of them. I was, it was late at night, I was laying in bed with my wife, must have been about 11 o'clock, midnight or something, already had fallen asleep, and the phone rings in our bedroom. I answered the phone, I was half asleep, and I couldn't imagine who was calling me that late at night, because anybody that knows me knows, A, I don't like to talk on the phone to begin with, and B, after 6 or 7 o'clock at night, I really don't want to talk unless it's really important. So the phone rings at midnight, and my first thought is, oh, God, it's an emergency. But right. anyway, pick up the phone, and Hulk has a pretty distinctive voice. And he said, hey, brother, Hulk Hogan here. And it took me, like, 30 seconds to get my shit together because I was sleeping. I was in a sound sleep. 
So I was kind of like in my mind stuttering and stammering and you know trying to buy some time to clear my head. And I finally came to. And we had a nice conversation and uh, basically ended up with something that sounded like, hey, you know, come on down to Florida, let's have a conversation. If you're interested, I'm interested. Let's talk. How much do you tip your hand at that point? Is, is it you lay it all out like... You, I'll come, you'll have carte blanche here. No. Come on down. No. no. How much can you say on a first date like that? Um, I could have said anything I wanted to say, probably, but I didn't. It was more like, let's just feel each other out. I wanted to find out what he was interested in doing and what he was available to do. Um, you know, I'm a salesman, first and foremost, and I learned a long time ago that the best way to make a sale is to listen. So I listened as much as I could and let him talk, which helped me frame an offer that I could present to him. What kinds of things is he saying? Um, at that point, you know, he had, he had worked a lot with WWE, had been on the road a lot, done the 300 day a year thing, two shots a day on weekends, he had done all that. Mm -hmm. His kids were really, really young. He really wanted to be home more, so schedule was a big deal to him. Um, that was first and foremost. Got a pretty good, clear, got a pretty clear idea right off the bat what the money was going to end up looking like. Um, was it a figure that was prohibitive? No. Even though you guys were underwater? We were underwater, but we had started turning things around. Oh. By that time now, I had done enough things, and this is another part of our history that gets overlooked or buried in some cases as a result of the narrative that's been out there for so long. But when I took over the company, it was a $25 million a year company that was losing $10 million a year. By the time Hogan came on board, all of the things that I had been doing for the year and a half or two years preceding that were starting to make people at Turner Corporate go, huh, maybe Ted was right. Maybe this can work. The Disney tapings, you know, externally to the wrestling fans sitting at home or, you know, on the dirt sheets or where, you know, before the internet. They hated it. Wrestlers probably hated it. Corporate loved it because advertising loved it. That was working. The whole look and vibe and feel of the show was working corporately. There were corporate executives that now wanted to bring their families to Disney to see WCW because it's something that they owned. So the entire vibe started to change, and so did the economics. Our numbers started improving. And we were losing less and less and less. We were rapidly getting to that point where it looked like, in fact, in 1994, we were so close to making money. I think it was in 1994 that I bet the chief financial officer of Turner Broadcasting, and I made, I, I bet him one dollar that I was going to turn a profit in 1995. And a year later, I made him get on his hands and knees and hand me that dollar in front of the executive vice president of Turner Broadcasting. So we were close enough to the point where people started to believe in me that when the Hogan opportunity came to light, it was simply a conversation with Bill Shaw, who was my boss at the time. And Bill went to Ted, and Ted went, hell yeah, let's make it work. How many conversations did did it take with Terry to get him to that point where with me yeah he's talking to you exclusively right he's not talking to Ted or, or no or no well he's probably flair? Talked to, no he wouldn't talk not to flair about <laughs> money um, the and, and I'm hesitating because I can't remember what the 
the chicken came before the egg, uh -huh. or vice versa. But part of it all dovetailed. It wasn't just the money, and then we had to figure out the creative. It wasn't the creative first, then we had to figure out the money. It was getting him comfortable, getting Hulk comfortable on the creative side of the equation, and what his future was going to look like while we were figuring out the money. So it was kind of going right. going on at the same time. But Rick had nothing to do with the business side of it. He had a lot to do, and almost everything to do with the creative side of it. Um, Rick and I went down. We met with Hulk probably two, three, four times over the course of a month and a half or two months talking about what could be. And it may have started out as something as simple as, well, how about this guy or how about that guy? Hulk wanted to work with Rick. That was the best play for Hulk. So then it became, all right, what do we do with Hulk and Rick? How do we build that story? How do we tell that story? Once the creative issues were solved and we kind of had a pretty good blueprint of what we wanted to do, which was Hogan and Flair, the money side of the equation, that was really between Bill Shaw, uh, myself to a degree, Bill Shaw primarily, and obviously Ted, because it was a lot of money. Um, but it, it actually came together pretty quickly and relatively painlessly. It's reported that the initial deal he agrees to is 300000 per match for three pay-per-view shows and three clashes plus 25% of any increase in pay-per-view revenue above the recent WCW average, 25% of the house for a handful of house show dates in Europe and the United States, and 65% of all merchandising revenue for a period ending December 31st, 94. Ballpark? Sound like something? The deal that I remember, you know, and, and maybe it's... Maybe what I'm about to say is part of that, or part of the deal that you have information about. But what I remember is the nut was about $2 million a year. There were four pay-per-views involved in that. There were TVs that led up to each one of those pay-per-views mm -hmm. that were included in that $2 million figure. And you know he may have gotten a big chunk of the licensing and merchandising off of his stuff, not off of everybody else's. Gotcha. Um, creative control. It's a, a, a philosophy that's been bandied about a lot. But you said some very poignant stuff about it in your book about the creative control clause in Hogan's contract um, that I think was pretty telling in that if you're working at the top anywhere, you kind of have creative control, mm -hmm. don't you? Sure. Just the fact that you've put ask it in Stone words. Cold, ask Stone Cold Steve right. Wilson or ask The Rock. You may appease me by putting it in print, but yeah, you see me. Yeah, talk to the click back in the day. Ask, ask, ask Vince McMahon how many times he had to jump on a plane and fly to a house show to get people to do crap they didn't want to do. So, yeah, while we may have expressed it contractually in Hogan's contract, and by the way, I've heard and read a lot, especially recently, about how a lot of people had creative control, which is, I think it's fabrication. I'd like to see a contract that I signed that other than Hogan gave anybody creative control. I don't think it really existed. There Could are people wrong. claiming they had creative control oh, yeah. on, under you. Oh yeah, I've okay. read that. Okay. Um, but does the fact that you've you've uh, tacitly expressed it in a contract now start to to flutter through the locker room and have others say well hey didn't realize yeah, that was on the was, table there was some resentment there's no doubt about it there was some resentment especially with guys like rick flair and and people of, of you know people they were higher up in the food chain 
Yeah, there was resentment, no doubt about it. Um, the big parade at Disney, how does one go off, go about pulling that off? It's really pretty easy. Did you just piggyback on the existing parade that happens every day and tell no, them on you the just floor? No, you go to Disney and you tell them this is what we want to do, and it's Hulk Hogan, and they go, oh, Hulk Hogan, my gosh, the, the crowd at Disney would, would love that, and of course you have to pay for it. And right. You stage it, and you create a big parade. Did you have to oversee that whole thing? Uh, I don't, I didn't necessarily oversee it. There was other people okay. working for me that did. Um, about this time, we start to see the WWF respond to the opening salvo with their new generation push. Is that on your radar at all uh, with the uh, fact that they're kind of going to rebrand off of your signing Hogan as the place where the young athletic people work? Yeah, I, I don't recall the timing of that. I, again, I wasn't until Nitro happened, you know, despite what everybody would like to believe, I really wasn't paying that close attention to WWE on a move you know, move-to-move -move basis or day-to-day -day basis. Um, Should you have been? No. No, look, I, I held them up on a pedestal. I, I knew what they had accomplished in terms of syndication. I knew what their ad sales were doing. Uh, obviously, their live event business was doing great. They had a licensing and merchandising model that I was envious of. You know, so from a business model perspective, I was very aware of them and kind of held them up as a, as a model. But from a creative point of view, um, no, I, I didn't. Even though you're in direct competition, really? I really wasn't. No, I wasn't. You don't think? No. Hmm. I didn't look. Yes, I was, but I didn't look at it. I was in competition with myself at that point. I was in competition with controlling our budget. I was in competition with myself to change the perception of our business. I was in competition with the advertising world in, in the sense that I was mm -hmm. trying to attract more more dollars in that respect. I was in I was in competition internally with corporate. You know, there were still a lot of people at Turner that didn't want us to exist. And that was a major, you know, challenge for me. So the, between the political fight and, and all the other challenges that I had, that was enough for me. And worrying about how they were rebranding themselves or reacting to us signing Hogan wasn't really on my radar. 1995, ECW had an event in Philadelphia. Home video, had at the time it was called Bob Wire Hoodies and Choke Slams. Not a bad show. It was always remembered for a debut and a little controversy. You know, the controversy has been a little bit overblown over the years, you know, but still, the debut of the gangsters in ECW. Public Enemy had just beaten Ian and Axel Rotten uh, via forfeit, and uh, after that was uh, that match was over with, the gangsters debuted and beat the fuck out of the Public Enemy. Loved it, loved it, because we do what the gangsters were doing down south, and they were finally in ECW. Sure, they didn't have D'Lo Brown and a few others, but... Just really cool to see Mustafa Nujak in ECW. Other match results from that night, the Broad Street Bully over the New Jersey Devil. Mikey Whipwreck over Big Val Puccio. Vampire Warrior, you know his Gangrel, over Hack Myers. Tommy Dreamer over the Vampire Warrior. 911 over Jungle Jim Steele. I think there was multiple choke slams involved in that one. Beulah McGillicuddy over Luna Vashon. Two Cold Scorpio and Taz over the Pitbulls and Raven in a handicap match. Obviously, as I mentioned, the public enemy over Axel and Ian Rotten. And the main event, the Sandman TKO's Cactus Jack in a barbed wire match. Look, 
you know, that you read online and people have really over dramatized this. There wasn't near riots or anything like that. Basically, the deal, Bill Alfonso was fresh, brand new in ECW. The storyline was that he was going to be representing the Philadelphia State Athletic Commission to kind of clean up ECW a little bit. So you have a barbed wire match between Cactus Jack and the Sandman. Everybody thought Cactus Jack was going to win it. Bill Alfonso came out and awarded... Um, the decision to the Sandman refused to give it to Cactus because Sandman didn't answer the 10 count and blah, 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 blah. And fans were pissed, but they weren't going to ride over it. So you read reports like that online. Yeah, it's very overblown. Did Bill Alfonso have nuclear heat? Absolutely. I was a huge fan of Bill Alfonso. I don't need this show to prove it to all of you. You have seen me sing the praise of him online many times over the years. Very recently, I was putting up some articles from the late 80s when he was still refereeing. So uh, he had nuclear heat, no doubt about it. The storyline was great. Uh, But were they ready to riot? No, absolutely not. 1996, Great American Bash, Baltimore, Maryland. This was the pay-per-view where Eric Bischoff and WCW were forced to ask Hall and Nash if they were still under contract with WWF, and that is because World Wrestling Federation had just filed a lawsuit going after WCW because WCW was portraying that um, they were working with the WWF. You know, you read a lot of reports online over the years, you know, yes, you know, they were trying to portray that Razor and Diesel was still part of the WWF, but a big part of that lawsuit also was the the impression that WCW and WWF were sort of in cahoots with each other. Um, but yeah, they were forced to ask the uh, the two if they were still employed with WWF, which they said no. And then to basically divert that attention, Hall and Nash would attack Bischoff and Bischoff would be powerbombed through a comfortable padded table area. It would still look great on TV, by the way. And the same pay-per-view was the debut in WCW for Rey Mysterio Jr. And if you've watched some interviews over the years, he has revealed that he didn't even know that he was going to be wrestling on a pay-per-view and I believe for the title. Anyway, match results from that night. Some matches taped for the main event. Rocco Rock over Jerry Sags, VK Wall Street over Jim Powers, Hacksaw Jim Duggan over Disco Inferno. The Steiners over Fire and Ice. Conan over El Gato to retain the United States Championship. Diamond Dallas Page over Mark Bagwell. Dean Malenko retains the Cruiserweight Championship over Ray Ray. John Tenta over Big Bubba Rogers. Don't call him a shark. He's a man. Uh, Chris Benoit over Kevin Sullivan. That was a Falls Count Anywhere match. Sting over Lord Steven Regal, Ric Flair, and Arn Anderson. With Miss Elizabeth, Bobby Heaton, and woman, woman in their corner over Kevin Green and Steve Mongo McMichael. It was not that bad of a match. Mongo and Green, obviously, Green, pun intended, but Flair and Anderson really carried them well. Main event for the WCW World Heavyweight title, the Giant retains, defeating Lex Luger. 1997 Great American Bash, Moline, Illinois. You know, one of the matches on his card was Medusa taking on Akira Hokuto. Uh, Hokuto was the women's champion at the time, and this was a title versus career match. Medusa would, in fact, lose the match. Very good match, 13, 14 minutes long. 
but um, Medusa was taking time off. Uh, what I think may have gotten married during her two week, two year hiatus, uh, I should say. Um, but she did lose, and you know, it was a little bit emotional at the time. I mean, Bobby Heenan's commentary was pretty fucking funny that night. Um, you know, just talking about her being on the unemployment line and everything. But uh, it was a very good match. Told a really nice story in the ring. So if you're really into women's wrestling, go out of your way to watch this one. Akira Hokuto retaining the women's championship, defeating Medusa. Medusa would return almost two years later. She returned as part of Macho Man's entourage with Gorgeous George and Miss Madness, a.k.a. Molly Holly. You had Ultimate Dragon, not Ultimo, but the, ult the Ultimate Dragon over Psychosis. Harlem Heat over the Steiner Brothers. Conan over Hugh Morris. Glacier over Wrath. As I said earlier, Kira Hokuto retains a women's championship, defeating Medusa. Chris Benoit over Mang in a death match. You had Kevin Green over Steve Mongo McMichael. For the WCW World Tag Team titles, the Outsiders uh, retained, defeating Ric Flair and Roddy Piper. Randy Macho Man Savage over Diamond Dolls Page in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Same week, 1997. Little uh, incident went down, and believe it or not, you're going to get some audio featuring yours truly, the Mass Maniac, and Two Cold Scorpio. Why, you may ask? This week in 1997, we learned that four wrestlers who were on their way to a WWF house show were involved in a very serious auto accident. Psycho Sid, Doug Furness, Phil LaFon, and Flash Funk, a.k.a. Two Cold Scorpio. They were on their way to Ottawa. Sid Vicious was driving, and I know there's been a little bit of exaggeration over the years that he was driving 100 miles an hour. They would have been dead if it was 100 miles an hour, but still. Uh, lost control of the car. Apparently, the car flipped and uh, suffered some pretty serious injuries at the time. Now, you know, many years ago, Too Cold Scorpio was on a Mass Maniac show with Maniac and yours truly. And as you will hear, Too Cold Scorpio tells the story of that car accident and a little controversy that you may not have known about. Did Triple H and China see these four guys off the road, injured, totaling their car, and continued driving? Didn't call for help? Didn't do nothing? Well, I'll let Too Cold Scorpio tell it in his own words. This week in 1997. Somebody passed you by in the highway, they wouldn't pick you up when your car broke down? Triple H in China. Oh, tell, tell everybody the actually, story. Actually, actually, we was traveling. It was uh, Sid Vicious, Doug Furness, uh, Phil LaFon, and myself riding from Montreal going to Ottawa uh, for a show with the WWF at the time. And, uh, we, you know, we we driving down the road. We blaze one up, you know what I'm saying, because I'm going to smoke. I don't care who I'm with. I'm going to smoke. So we smoke one and shit. You know, we got the sunroof open, so... You know, uh, Phil, he says, you know, he pops one of his gimmicks and says, I'm going to put my seatbelt on, I'm going to take a little nap. Well, so we like, cool, you know, we, we scrape, we getting on down the road, we're doing about 80, 85, you know, almost 90 miles an hour, you know, trying to get to the show. So, you know, as we're driving down the damn road and shit, Sid reaches up to go close the sun visor and kind of drifts off a little bit to the left off the side of the road. And, uh, you know, Sid, he's a cockstrong person, you know, but he's easy to be freaked out. So I guess he must have freaked out and pulled the wheel too hard. Next thing you know, we start fishtailing. We start fishtailing across the road to the far right, back to the far left, back to the far right. And for one moment, thought we were going to get control of it and lost control again. 
we went down to the left, down into the goalie with an uh, oncoming tractor coming toward us. Well, you know, Sid, you know, I'm telling you, know, this, I'm hoping, I ain't saying nothing, but I'm thinking to myself, just ease it out. Instead, he cocks the wheel kind of hard, the wheel stick in the dirt. The car catches air. We flip about four or five times in the air, land on the passenger side as soon as we hit. Glass is shattered. Uh, Doug breaks his shoulder. Phil is getting slapped upside the ground, left and right, you know, head all bouncing outside the window, getting glass in his head, you know, end up breaking his neck. He didn't know he broke his neck. Sid ended up getting hurt in the car, too, as well. And so, you know, after this, you know, we come to an end. We finally, you know, get everybody out of the car. We work our way up the hill. Well, we're sitting there. I go down, I get the bags and stuff, and I come back up with the boys. Well, you know, I get to the building, you know, and the boys, they stop people driving by, you know, stuff like that. And finally, you know, uh, I want to say Ron Simmons, the Godfather, Fabio Vega, and all those guys, you know, when they had the Spanish group was in there, the Mexican Connection. Anyway, they end up stopping and, uh, you know, going to the hospital with us. Thank God they had a race that was in town because the MTs just happened to be behind us and stuff and seen everything that happened. And uh, they got out and they had the shock blankets and, you know, and they was able to call for the ambulance and stuff like that. And so we all went to the building and stuff, you know, went to the hospital and, you know, they called Vince, told Vince, you know, everything that happened, these guys weren't going to show up, you know, have to change the card up, you know, things like that as far as TV tapings. And then I'm supposed to work with Triple H and stuff, you know. So I get to the building and shit, and then uh, and I get to the building. I hear that uh, Triple H in China seen us down in the ditch, you know. You know, talking about, oh, look at Scorpio down on his knees like he's trying to help somebody. And, you know, they laughing and bullshit, you know, can't on. They go on to the damn building and shit. Don't ever stop. Don't ever see nothing. You know, to me, that's a cardinal sin. You know, when you're the boys and you're driving up there in the big time and stuff like that, you know everybody's got rental cars, everybody's pretty much going down the same way. If you see one of the boys, you know, or somebody out, whether you like the person or you don't, you know what I'm saying, you stop to see to make sure that, that person's okay, everything's all right, you know, whatever it might be, you know, that's just what you do for the boys, you know. And so anyways, I get there and I hear them, you know, laughing and talking about it and shit. Well, I happen to get to the building I have to work with uh, Triple H that night. Well, they got a little blue tarp up, and I'm talking to the boys about what happened, and Triple H and them driving by and hunting. I'm like, shit, motherfuckers drive by, that's a car, and I'm saying, I'm going to whoop this motherfucker's ass. You know, I'm, I'm ready to fight. You know, that's just something you just don't do. Well, evidently, while I'm telling somebody else the story, they must have heard me because they were standing behind the tarp when I was talking, you know, and so then um, I went out there, and Bruce said, I'm working. I said, I ain't working, man. I just ran in a car accident. And, you know, I didn't stay in the hospital. I didn't get checked. I don't know if I got any kind of internal injuries or if anything is wrong with me. But if I work tonight and I have to go out and work with Triple H, it ain't going to be no wrestling match. It's going to be a fight. I'm going to go out and whoop his ass. And he's like, I don't care. You're still going to work. And he said, go tell Vince. So I went and told Vince, you know, hey, Vince, you know, I was in this car accident. You know, Triple H, China, they drove by us. I don't think that was right. I'm pissed off. If I fight him tonight, I'm going to end up fighting and not wrestling. And that's not very professional. So I don't think I can go out there and work with him tonight. And eventually went back to, hey, man, tell Bruce and you got the night off. Don't worry about it. You know, so I went back and told him I ain't working. Vincent, I had it off. You know, and so by this time, you know, I'm trying to calm down. I'm still a little hype. But in the meantime, you know, uh, Hunter and China, you know, they're coming by. And, Are you okay? You know, this and that. And I'm, you know, just pissed off. I don't even want to deal with them. But I get home and stuff, and I get a phone call from a man with an apology. You know, saying they apologize and they send me a card and everything and stuff. You know, saying about talking about the accidents, I really stopped about the blase. And uh, after that, man, everything was cool. I ain't never had a problem with him. You know, after that and stuff. You know, but 
at that given point in time, you know, I was real pissed off about it and stuff and thought, you know, hey, you know, if I work tonight, it's going to be a, a match for everybody and their mama to see. Wow. See, I, I part of my French, but, you know, fuck the, uh, the wrestling aspect of it. I mean, if you're driving on the road and you see somebody has a car accident, even if it's not a fellow wrestler, I mean, you know, you at least might want to try to just stop and just, you know, see if everybody's all right. You know, maybe call. Hey, Scorpio, Scorpio, if me and you were oh. driving in the car and I saw somebody stranded on the road, <laughs> what do you think? Tell me the truth. You think I'd stop? If you didn't know that person, or even if you did know that person, if it was somebody from your gym, no, you would not stop because you don't like being late for nothing. You like being on time. You already be on my ass because I'd be like dragging butt sometimes when you come. You'd be like, come on, hurry up, let's go. Drop me off, hurry up, get out my, get out my car because I'm trying to get home. So hell no, you would not stop. I kick your ass. You would, I you would, you would roll, you probably, you probably would roll by and throw a bottle of water and be like, here you go. I'm going to call you Triple M from now on, Maniac. Mean Mass Maniac, Triple M. Also this week in 1997, we now have ECW on pay-per-view. We have the storyline ECW versus the WWF. Jerry Lawler fucking with Tommy Dreamer. You know, that Jim Cornette made that one cameo in the ECW arena. So we have WWF versus ECW. But at that time, we also had a little bit of USWA. Versus ECW. Now, sadly, the USWA was on its last legs, and they were trying to really spice up their product. So at the time, we had ECW feuding with the USWA because of the Lawler uh, Dreamer storyline, which carried over on ECW TV and WWF Monday Night Raw. But um, we also had the fake Diesel and the fake Razor Ramon. In USWA, by this time, they're off WWF television. So they're continuing as Razor and Diesel in the USWA. Now, we'll get to that part in a moment. But first, at the time, they were hyping up a match that was going to take place in Memphis for USWA. I played the Paul Heyman promo last week. Well, this week in 97, we had Tommy Dreamer show uh, appear on Memphis TV cutting a promo about their upcoming match to really try to gain a lot of interest to get fans to, to show up in Memphis to see this event. Now, what's confusing about it is that we all know Jerry Lawler is beloved the king of Memphis. But when you listen to Dreamer's promo, you know, he sounds like the babyface. And he's trying to kind of... Get the fans to turn against Jerry Lawler. The problem is, Jerry Lawler, you could almost, you know, guarantee nothing he could do at this time is going to get the fans against him. So Jerry Lawler responds to Dreamer's promo with a babyface promo, and you're left with, okay, who's the babyface and who's the heel over, over here? So here you go, Dreamer and Jerry Lawler exchanging promos this week on USWA TV. I fight what I believe in. I believe in pro wrestling. I believe in ECW. Jerry Lawler, I don't believe in you. The last time I was in Memphis, you sent the whole locker room out to stop me from taking you out. But this time, I got someone who swings a cane, drinks a beer, and smokes cigarettes. The Sandman, the hardcore icon to watch my back and he'll take out anyone who gets in our way do you 
think the people in Memphis are stupid, Jerry Lawler? How many times have you taken a WWF booking and not a USWA booking? How many times have you been on night, Monday Night Raw and never mentioned USWA? For all you fans that used to love USWA, for all you fans that love hardcore wrestling, come to the Big One Expo Center and watch me and the Sandman take Jerry Lawler and the USWA to a whole new level of the extreme and bring back hardcore wrestling. Tommy Dreamer with his remarks aimed at the fans here at the USWA. I want to bring out the King Jerry Lawler and Brian Christopher. We want to get to the bottom of this USWA ECW thing because this has escalated. It is all over Monday Night Raw. It is all over the internet. It is in newspapers worldwide. King, Tommy Dreamer coming in here, he's bringing, I, we know he's crazy, now he's bringing the Sandman to town. Well, you know what, Michael, you said one thing right. This is a war, and the old saying is, all's fair in love and war, and that's what this is. So when you see me showing up in Philadelphia unexpectedly with a few of my pals like Jim Cornette and now Sabu and Mr. Monday Night, Rob Van Dam, that, that upsets these ECW boys just a little bit. Well, let me tell you something. I want you guys upset. I want you mad as you can be when you come to Memphis. Because if you saw that piece of tape, you saw that I traveled to their backyard and I kicked their butts right there in their own hometown and everybody knows what happens when somebody comes to my backyard. It's gonna be twice as bad. Now, Tommy Dreamer, you believe in ECW, huh? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to make a real believer out of you. You're going to believe in the King, and you're going to believe in the USWA, and you're going to believe in Brian Christopher before this is over. Because, you see, I understand that you've gone out and got supposedly what you think is the next toughest man in ECW. You've got that broken-down, drunk-has-been, the Sandman, who the only way he gets the nerve to get in the match is he has to drink a six-pack of liquid courage, if you know what I mean. He is such an alcoholic that he carries a can of beer to the ring with him and a stick in the other hand. Well, let me tell you something, Sandman. Bring all the beer you want. Matter of fact, you better bring a keg, buddy. Because you're going to have to get real drunk to not feel the pain that me and this man right here are going to put on you guys at the Big One Expo Center. The Big One on Sunday, the 13th, the Sandman and Dreamer against Brian Christopher and Jerry the King Lawler. Home field advantage, BC. That's right. And now when I heard about the ECW, they wanted to come back. They wanted to come back to the USWA. I begged him. I said, please, please let me be your partner for this match. Because believe me, I'm not all, I'm not the pretty boy you think I am once I step in that ring. I'm not all thrills and thrills. Because I can get hardcore too. I can get as hard as you want to, ECW. And so when you come here, we're going to make you wish you never had. Because the king and Brian Christopher are going to be breaking bones and we ain't going to be through until we see your stinking blood spilled all over the Big One Expo Center, baby. Nothing but a war. That's the only way you're going to explain it at the Big One on Sunday the 13th. It's going to be a war and you're looking at the winners right here, I promise you that. There you go, Jerry the King Lawler and Brian Christopher, the ball to end it all. ECW at the time, major buzz, on fire, on the indies, Philly, whatever you, however you want to look at it, 
The storyline on WWF television with Mr. Monday Night and Sabu on fire. Paul Heyman feuding with uh, Jerry Lawler. The pay-per-view. You know, ECW was on great momentum. Didn't help in Memphis, though. They had their event. Only drew about 500 fans. What made matters worse was this week in 97 as well, we were witnessing the pretty much the end of the fake Diesel and the fake Razor Ramon. Now, a lot of you will say that's a good thing. Well, the ending of the fake Diesel was needed for a particular reason. Glenn Jacobs, who is now mayor, who you knew as Kane for the most part in his career, you know, Dr. Isaac Yankum, he was also the fake Diesel. At this time, he is wrestling in the USWA as the fake Diesel, and WWF needed to start preparing him for his debut as Kane later on in 1997. That's gotta be Kane! So, the fake Diesel had to come to an end. So, this week in 1997, and I apologize if some of this audio is kind of shangata, but this week in 97, we pretty much got the beginning of the end of both characters. First, we had the fake Razor Ramon show up on USWA TV, and he cuts a promo that basically says, you know, he gets beat up first, but he basically says, I'm not Razor Ramon. This is what he had to say. All right, uh the bad guy, Razor Ramon, scheduled out here, and we are uh, awaiting his arrival from the WWF. This man is uh, quite a uh, quite a celebrity uh, across the USA and also across the world. And here he comes, the bad guy, Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon, back in the USWA. Back down from the WWF. And I know you've got some things on your mind. Oh yeah, man, Chico, bad guy, back in the USWA. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Mike Samples in the Truth Commission. Uh, what is this about? Yeah, that's right. We come out here because we got a little problem here. Here, once again, here's the big shot from the WWF coming down here. Huh, big boy? You got all your gold on today. You you all dressed up sharp. What are you doing down here anyway? Nobody yeah. wants you down here. Hey. Wait, wait a minute. We didn't ask for you to be down here, and you can take that toothpick, stick it somewhere else. We don't want you here. You're a punk. You got it? Wait a minute. What a minute. What is this? What is this? What in the world is this? The Truth Commission and Mike Samples, with no provocation whatsoever, come out, and they're going right after the bad guy, Razor Ramon. What is going on here? Well, it looks like to me like they're kicking his brains out. I think that's sort of self-explanatory, isn't it? The bad guy, Razor Ramon... Was totally a in the world is this? Razor Ramon. Uh, this is a position you don't see this man in. What is going? What? What? What, what is this? This is a. This is a bunch of. Okay, okay. Everybody knows that I am not the real. Razor Ramon, okay? Everybody knows. Sorry, Vince McMahon. It's no big secret anymore. Everybody knows Scott Hall was the original Razor Ramon. And he leaved, he dishonored his contract, and went to the other company. So, you, Vince McMahon, you had a copyright for the name Razor Ramon. I have a tryout. You want me to be the new Razor Ramon. Oh. 
Are you angry, Vince McMahon? Not as angry as I am because I just got jumped because of you. Huh? I am not a bad guy. I don't have even a problem with these people. Okay? So, maybe, maybe the name, maybe you still have to call me Razor Ramon. But now, I'm going to do the things my way. Right, you know, kind of almost like I'm not a shark, I'm a man. <laughs> Fine. So now the fake Diesel, who's also in USWA, is pissed off the fake Razor Ramon. So Vince McMahon decides he wants to get the fake Diesel to take out the fake Razor Ramon. But before we even got to that point, Vince McMahon cuts the following promo on USWA TV. And pretty much destroys the fake razor and even the fake diesel to a certain extent. Everybody knows what an ingrate is. Well, no, I guess maybe everybody doesn't know what an ingrate is. You see, you have to have at least a grammar school education to know what an ingrate is. So let me put it a different way for everyone in the greater USWA area. Uh, he's a bad guy. You got it? He's no good. I'm talking about Razor Ramon. Now, this, this, this imbecile, this ingrate, Razor Ramon, he, he has nothing. He comes to me with absolutely nothing. Nothing. He says, I'm a rustler. He says, uh, I do impersonations. And I know I'm not a very good rustler, but if you'll just give me this one chance, if you'll just give me this one break, I mean, I'd do anything to be in the World Wrestling Federation. So... Here we take this bum, this guy's a bum, complete bum, and we make something of him. And what does he do in return? He, he turns his back, turns his back on the World Wrestling Federation? Okay, I might could go along with that if something better came along. Ha! With the USWA? There's only one thing I hate worse than an ingrate. Not someone who's stupid. Come on. You think Jerry the King Lawler is your friend? You think these, these people around the, the Memphis area or all around the USWA, you think they're friends? You think they, they care about you? Just because you're, all of a sudden, you're honest. Or you can't take it anymore. No! Vince made me Razor. I'm not really Razor. I... You're right. You're nothing. You're absolutely nothing. You're worse than, than when you came to the World Wrestling Federation. You know what? We don't want you anymore. No. You want to go to the USWA? You want to stay in the USWA? You want all those imbecile fans to, you know, that, that, that really turned you on? You know, the USWA fans, you know, like, they like you, they cheer you, and that turned you on? Oh, boy, you can have it. You can have it. I'll tell you what else you can have. You can have a match with Diesel. See, I, I, I did at one time, out of the goodness of my heart, only have big plans for Razor and Diesel as a tag team. Now you've changed all that. So I'm going to send in the man. I'm going to send in the man to USWA. And by the way, 
you won't like him in the USWA, and more importantly, he won't like any of you. And he certainly won't like the tag team partner that turned his back. That's right, Razor and Diesel were supposed to be a huge tag team here in the World Wrestling Federation, but no, this Razor screws everything up now because he wants to be in the USWA. He likes it there. Good. Diesel is going to come in and rip your ingrateful heart right out of your body and then stomp your stupid brain further into the back of your skull. And then, Razor, you and Jerry the King Lawler and all those imbecile fans can have a wonderful, wonderful time together. Congratulations. So now we got the fake Razor pretty much done. We have Vince McMahon totally trashing him. So now the fake Diesel, which is Glenn Jacobs, he shows up on USWA TV, and basically Vince McMahon wants the fake Diesel to take out the fake Razor Ramon. So they decide to do a match where their careers are on the line in the USWA, and the fake Diesel makes this announcement. As we say in the wrestling business, be there when it comes your way. We're looking forward to it. Well, I don't have to introduce this great big guy, Big Daddy Cool Diesel, as uh, he's got a word or two to say, I'm sure, about Razor Ramon. You know, Lance, I've come out here and you have portrayed me as a thug, as a, as a hitman, as a bad person. Well, let me tell you my side of the story, all right? Ever since we came together as a tag team, Razor Ramon was the weak link. When we could have won the WWF Tag Team Championship, Razor Ramon was the one that got pinned. It'd been better if I'd just been in there alone against Davey and Owen, Davey Boy Smith and Owen Hart. But I had to bring Razor in there with it, and he messed the whole thing up. Okay? He does this. He cost me, cost us a lot of money. Cost me a lot of money. And then what does he do after I befriend him? After Vince McMahon gives him a job, he turns his back on me, on Vince McMahon on the premier wrestling organization in the world. He says, these are his people. He says, the USWA is his thing. Well, I finally got what I want, Lance. I got a loser leaves the USWA match with Razor Ramon. And that makes me so happy because when Razor Ramon loses that match, he's not gonna be here in the USWA. He's not gonna be able to go back to the WWF. That's going to be it, Razor. That's going to be the end of your career, and it's going to be the ultimate revenge for me, my friend. Yeah, well, remember, you got to beat him before that happens, and it could be you're the one that's going to be out of here. That will not be a problem. Yeah, we'll find out. we got more action right here as Diesel leaves us. We'll be staying as we've got plenty of action to go and be back in just a moment. So they would have their match. The fake Diesel would lose. Obviously, to take him off TV to prepare him for the Kane character. And Richard Brogner would continue his career, uh, just not as Razor Ramon. There you go. Busy week in 1997. Hope you enjoyed it. 1998, Great American Bash takes place from Baltimore, Maryland. Now, at this time, legendary best of seven went down between Booker T and Chris Benoit. This uh, event had the final match in their best of seven, which Booker T did win. So Booker T later on in the night would go on to face Fit Finley for the TV championship. 
Uh, Canyon over Perry Saturn. Chris Jericho over Dean Malenko by DQ. So the WCW Cruiserweight title did not change hands. Uh, a garbage match. Hoovy over Reese. Chavo Guerrero Jr. over Eddie Guerrero. You have Booker T win the WCW TV title, defeating Fit Finley. For the United States Championship, Goldberg retains, defeating Conan. Hollywood Hogan and Bret Hart with the disciple in their corner over Roddy Piper and Randy Savage. Roddy Piper over Randy Savage. And the main event, Sting defeats the Giant for control of the WCW World Tag Team Championships. There was controversy. I believe Sting chose Kevin Nash to be his tag team championship partner. I think so. I didn't do the research. I Forgive me if I'm wrong, but for some reason my memory says it was Kevin Nash. Also this week, because the NBA Finals had just finished between uh, the Bulls and, oh man, the Utah Jazz, we now heard that uh, Rodman and Carl Malone were going to be on their way to WCW to actually have a match. It would end up being the tag team match. Who could ever forget? Uh, but still, you know, they did not disappoint. I thought DDP and Dennis and uh, Carl Malone versus uh, Hollywood Hogan and Dennis Rodman was very entertaining. I thought it was great. We'll definitely cover that very, very soon. 1999, uh, sadly this week in 99, we had the announcement that the Hart family, Martha Hart and the rest of the Hart family, uh, Sue, WWF, uh, Kansas City, and I think 11 other defendants regarding the death of Owen Hart. Um, just it's the, the lawsuit itself is available online. It's over 100 pages long. It's very, very sad at some points to read. Very interesting nonetheless, and obviously we would learn that there would be a settlement for an undisclosed amount. Papers are sealed. I don't think they'll ever be revealed. But still, the lawsuit regarding the death of Owen Hart was filed this week in 1999. Also this week in 99, the Great American Bash from Baltimore once again. We're pretty much wrapping up the Great American Bashes, if you notice. I think there might be one more to cover, but still... 99, we had the Great American Bash once again. And, oh, there's an audio doozy coming in a second. Hack over Brian Knobs in a hardcore match. Van Hammer over Mikey Whipwreck. Buff Bagwell over Disco Inferno. The No Limit Soldiers, not the rap group, but Conan and Rey Mysterio Jr. over West Texas Rednecks of Kurt Henning and Bobby Duncan Jr. At this time, No Limit Soldiers. Remember Master P? They're on WCW TV. Garbage. Hated it. Sucked. The fans didn't like it either. And, you know, Bischoff was making all these press releases and fucking conferences. You know, Master P trying to act like he's always been a wrestling fan. Garbage. I hated Master P in the No Limit Shoulders. Do I sound stupid doing that? Told you, this is a great episode. Ernest the Cat, they're all good, but Ernest the Cat Miller over Horace Hogan. Rick Flair over Roddy Piper. Falls Count Anywhere match. It was Rick Steiner versus Sting. And let's just say that this is one of the uh, greatest matches in wrestle crap history. You know, Rick Steiner, what was his uh, gimmick? You know, the dog face gremlin. Welcome to the dog pound. Hoof, hoof, hoof. So, anyway. Ric Flair takes on Sting. 
we're kind of reminded repeatedly throughout the match that it's false count anywhere so they could uh, have the pin in the ring, outside the ring, by the broadcast table, in the back, and this is how the fucking match ended. Well, here we go. Could be. It is. Stinger splits. A lot of spring left in those legs. He's not done yet. Gonna try it yet again, and he connects for a second time. He may go. Yes, he's gonna go with a scorpion death lock right now. He's got him turned. He's in the middle of the ring. He's nowhere near the ropes. Yes, he oh, is. He is. Thought he was a little further in the middle. Well, from our vantage point, it looked like he was a lot further away, but it took about two or three crawls for Rick Steiner to get there to save him. Outside, remember, pinfalls count anywhere, including the broadcast location, should they decide to come this way. Don't, don't encourage them. They can't hear me. How do I know what they can hear? Head first, the safety rail. Head first again. Rick Steiner retreating. Sting follows up the chase. That's what we got here. There you see our internet location, WCW.com. Oh, how bad a vertical suplex on the ramp. Did you hear that? Yes, I did. That was Steiner's back on the ramp. Not done yet. Watch out. Watch out, Mark Madden and crew. And look like that Chris Jericho over there with them as well. the internet location on into the locker room area oh Black. fight goes on hey hey take abbott's backstage take abbott choking sting and there's big papa punk oh. Tony! Early attacking Sting! Oh, look at that one, they're ripping his needle. Another one! That's a Rottweiler! This was all planned! Oh no! Security is coming in! Oh, fans, we had to take the cameras off of Sting and go to security! Oh my god! They'll rip him apart! They rip. Two Dobermans and a Rottweiler! attacking Sting, Tank Evan, Scott Steiner. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I pray and hope that they pull these animals off Sting. They got to. This transcends a wrestling match. Pinfalls count anywhere. They've got the referee, the Steiners, come out in the clutches. That in, look at that intimidation factor again of our official Mickey J. They're not done yet. Oh, my God. Sting. Hopefully. And what condition is he in? We pray that the Doug Dillinger and those security, yellow shirted security guys were able to pull. I don't know if they can control <laughs> the dogs. Or, oh my God. I think I have to take my shirt off and say I quit. I'm not going to pull off two Dobermans and a Rockwire. What do we got? Uh, hold on a second. Mickey J's begging for the bell. See, my understanding of this match was false count anywhere. Mickey J saying ring the bell for the third time. It finally rings and what? 
What do we got here? Ain't that right, Force Court Henry? Now did my brother just beat the hell out of Sting? Huh? One, two, one, three. two, three. Huh? One, one, two, just three. Because we're so too graphic, too barbaric. WCW can't show it. One, two, three dogs is what it was. Well, in case you ever noticed, we're doing things around here our way, the Steiner Brothers' way, and they just trying to protect the WCW franchise. But my brother beat Sting. One, two, three. Ain't that right? The razor's hand. Our thoughts continue to be with Sting at this time. Oh, God. Oh. They're you out are, of control, Tony. You are looking at the two most dangerous men in WCW what right now. do you do, Sting? You better bring your back to the dog pound, because we cut you down like a pack of wild dogs. And I just showed you in the back what the dog is all about. Oh my, that's a changed man. Fans, I am mortified I about- I told you, Sting! You want some? You got it! You don't like me? Bite me! I also want to- You see, this is why my brother's with me oh. in the NWO! Because WCW sucks! I want to uh, commend WCW officials. Who's the best tag team uh, that ever lived? They're going to talk as long as they want. They might as well shut up here. Bow down to the Steiner brothers. And who's the shittiest town in America? Baltimore! Whoever did production for that should have been fired on the spot. Or better yet, they should have been tied to a chair, have their pants pulled down, dog food rubbed all over their nuts, and let the fucking dogs loose. Seriously. It was so badly produced that you know if you've listened to me for many years that I am a stickler to detail. I point out and observe things that a lot of people do not. I just feel that if you're on TV or from pro wrestling, you should be the creme de la creme. And this was just garbage carelessness. First off, how the fuck do you do a pre-recorded segment with Sting? Knowing that the guy wears face paint. Knowing that when he sweats, some of the face paint is removed. Now, for anybody out there that still did not realize what I was talking about, go watch Sting leaving the ring and look at the face paint on his face and then look at this segment where he's getting attacked quote-unquote by dogs the face paint was horrendous because they pre-recorded the dog segment so wcw had no idea what his face paint was going to look like halfway through the match the second thing is rick steiner rick steiner sweats like a fucking pig in his matches he's sweating bullets in the match against sting watch the segment again with the fucking dogs the guy is dry to the bone. He's just god-awful. I mean, look, there's been a lot of wrestle crap over the years, and we're not done with wrestle crap. We're going to get into more in a moment. But the production of this was one of the worst things that I had ever seen. And what's sad about it is you go online and you read about this match over the years from a lot of places. They don't ever bring up about the face pain and the sweat or anything, because they didn't even pay attention to it, but it was so god-awful. It was just horrendous. And you could hear the crowd. They fucking hated it as well. It was just really, really bad. 
Um, another thing that happened this week as well, uh, Sable appeared on Monday Nitro. She was just sitting at ringside. I don't even think they mentioned her name. She was still under contract at the time, but hey, you know, she's sitting at ringside as a fan and the camera c- catches it. Is that, you know, lawsuit material? No, I don't think so. I mean, Rena Mara was in the midst of a lawsuit against WWF at the time and just filed it. But still, it was interesting to see Sable sitting ringside on Monday Nitro. Uh, 2000 Great American Bash takes place. Baltimore, Maryland, a popular place for that event. Ah, Lieutenant Loco over Disco to retain the Cruiserweight title. Chronic over to Mama Luke's to become number one contenders for the tag titles. Mike Awesome over Diamond Dallas Page in an ambulance match. I remember that match. The, the, the uh, fat chick thriller, killer, whatever he was. I, I liked it. G.I. Bro, Booker T, over Sean Stasiak in a boot camp match. Tables match, Shane Douglas over the wall. Scott Steiner over Rick Steiner and Tank Abbott in a handicapped asylum match. You had Hollywood Hogan defeating Billy Kidman. Um, the stipulation that fucked this match up, if Hogan lost, he would have been forced to retire. Uh, then we had Ric Flair defeat David Flair with Vince Russo in his corner. If Ric Flair would have lost that match, he would have had to have retired. We had the god-awful, not on the level... Uh, you know, it's funny, if you watch Sting interviews, he calls this the worst of all time. I think he just has too much respect for Rick Steiner to you know, to use the Rick Steiner match. But he thought this human torch match with Vampiro was god-awful. Vampiro won that one. For the WCW World Heavyweight title, Ernest Cat Miller, special guest referee. Jeff Jarrett uh, retains defeating Kevin Nash. Uh, I think Goldberg had turned heel during that time, and he joined the New Blood. Is that I think that is correct. He joined the New Blood. Sure, yeah, it had to be been 2000, 2001. They were out of business. So, anyway, now we get to, I don't know if it's going to be a weekly segment, but I thought I'd have some fun this week. You know, a lot of times when we, in fact, all the time, when we were watching the Monday Night Wars in real time, what would you do? You would channel surf, channel flip. You'd see what's on Raw, you'd see what's on Nitro. Raw and Nitro. You keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Even though you knew you could watch a replay of maybe Nitro after, you know, still, you would still go back and forth, channel surf, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I figured, you know, let's kind of have a sort of the same thing on this show. What I decided to do is give you a little segment that took place this week on WWF Raw in 2000. And at the same time this was going down on Raw, I give you what went down on WCW TV. Not bad. It's almost like head-to-head, but segments, not total episode ratings. So now let's first give you WWF Raw. This week at 2000. Now each segment, Raw and Nitro, is only about seven minutes long. But just to show you how uh, interesting some of the storylines were at the time and how god-awful they were. First off, we got Monday Night Raw. At the time, Kane is still unmasked. They're trying to convert him into a baby face. So we have at the time the controversy where Degeneration X, the remnants of it, you have Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, the Stooges, they're all trying to get a picture of what Kane looks like unmasked. 
So they come with the, up with this plan that they're going to ambush Kane behind the scenes. They're going to knock him out, and then they're going to take a picture of him without the mask on. And if you watch this clip, Triple H fucking connects with the plastic bat. Just incredible when you see it, what I'm talking about. But anyway, they snapped the photo, and Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe, who was the hardcore champion at the time, it's their responsibility to develop the pitchers, you know, and so we could probably have it next week on Monday Night Raw. So this is basically what went down and mixed in with all of this, just to show you how the storylines really flowed at the time. As this goes down, Bull Buchanan steals The Undertaker's bike. The Undertaker becomes a carjacker. Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson and Triple H fucking love it. And this leads to a hardcore championship match with Crash Holly. All in one segment. Enjoy. Undertaker pitched a fit about it, said that uh, you weren't in his league, that you didn't belong in the ring with him. He said it can beat you in two minutes. He said it was an insult to get in the ring with you, Bo. Really? <laughs> can you believe that? Hey, can you ride a bike? Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, this just happens to be a pretty nice bike right here, and the keys just happen to be in it. Uh, I'll tell you what, Bo. Let's take his bike. Why don't you go show the Undertaker just whose league you're in? Yeah, go ahead. Come go on. ahead, man. Fire that Come on, baby. Do that. Fire, Come on. fire that bad boy up, Bull. Come on, Bull. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That ain't very smart, Bull. Was the 
other oh, negative. Oh, he was sitting looking at Oh, my God. Oh. Hey, listen. Now that we got loose ends tied up around here, I'm going to go get ready for my match. I got to get taped up. You Good job, guys. Go ahead, Pitchers are on the way, Hunter. The pitchers are on the way. Jerry, we can't forget about the picture. It's very important. Oh, Mr. McMahon's going to be so proud of us. I hear you. Oh, what is this? Undertaker's a motorcycle. And now the Undertaker, he carjacks somebody's vehicle and he's, he's chasing Bull Buchanan through the streets of St. Louis. Well, it's, it's an Undertaker's property. Bull Buchanan had no right to go for a joy right? Wait a minute. There's Briscoe's a Briscoe. He's trying to get away from Crash Holly. It's the only thing I can think of there. Yes, he's going to come out here. Briscoe. Pat Patterson, you can hear me get out here. Modern day Jim Thorpe from Blackwell, Oklahoma. That's got the hardcore title around his waist. There, nobody remembers Jim Thorpe. Who was he? I'll tell you later. He wasn't a Cleveland Indian, so you wouldn't Briscoe, know. Get up, Get up. Hit him, hit him, hit him with that broom. Hardcore titles. Make a clean sweep of things. No disqualification. Anything goes. his title anymore than Crash Holly did when he was the hardcore Whoa, champion. Watch it. Yeah. Briscoe competing in a pair of khaki pants and with a belt Can't around his waist. Yeah. Yeah. This hardcore title has gone to Briscoe's head game. Anybody would be proud to be the hardcore champion? Well, I can understand that, but you know, how far do you take about that. That would have been great. Oh, let's go with another lap. Buried into the midsection of Crash Holly. Hardcore title on the line. we got a referee out here. We're, we're in business. Frisco, an all-American football player somewhere. He was actually a wrestler at Oklahoma State. Look at this. Here's a war dance. He's it's a, like Chief Wahoo. He's a Native American, you know. I know that. Chief Wahoo. He ain't nothing like Chief Wahoo. Huh? When he smiles just right, he looks sort of like him. And hey, look, look! Here comes, here comes the pack. The Calvary has arrived! Oh, the Calvary has he's arrived. He's hurt, look, his shoulders hurt. Well, his, my eyes are hurt because of those shorts he's wearing. Huh? Oh, no! chair! Briscoe set the chair up. And here, Crash Holly knocking down Pat Patterson. Pat, I don't think, oh, look out there! Save. It's not really fair as Briscoe and Patterson. Oh, oh, did you hear that? Pat, you idiot! Patterson just nailed Briscoe! Wait a minute, no way! Oh, Crash Holly! Listen to the elevation! Crash Holly's the new hardcore champion! Here you are, and the new World Wrestling Federation hardcore champion, Crash Holly! Elroy wins! Elroy wins! Look at this, Pat! What are you doing?
think he knocked the hair off Frisco's head. Uh-oh. Yeah, he, he did it. He did it, Frisco. enjoy this as well but when you go back and you look at the monday night wars and you realize the downfall that wcw had at 2000 at this time this is probably one of the best segments to show an example why at the time rick flair and david flair are feuding with each other vince russo feuding with rick flair so the night before we had rick flair defeat david flair at great american bash remember rick flair's career was on the line so the following night on nitro Going up against Monday Night Raw, they have another match. This time it's a handicap match. David Flair and Vince Russo teaming up to take on Ric Flair. If Ric Flair loses, he is forced to retire. Now, in this storyline as well, Reed Flair, you might remember a few weeks ago, I played that segment where Reed Flair actually got in the ring. He was 12 years old at the time. Charlotte, who, you know, her real name is Ashley, she was 14 at the time. Ric Flair was married to Beth. None of them are obviously pro wrestlers. You know, Reed and Ashley too young. But they decided to incorporate Ric Flair's entire family in this storyline. And this is what went down going up against Raw this week in 2000. As Ric Flair comes out with Reed, his family Beth, Megan and Ashley... Russo's in the ring again. Russo Ooh. tried to pick his shot, tried oh. to pick in the opening, and now it's going to be all the pickets for Ric Flair. Boy, the stakes are so high, and Ric Flair is totally possessed. Wait a, wait a minute. What a man! Oh, that's not going to that's not gonna hold up. He's got him in the toilet. Oh, he's got to get your chest protector on. Of course he does. Pretty smart move. Wouldn't, wouldn't well, it I, it's, it's brilliant. It looks brilliant now. His chest is wide open. Please say nothing about him, Scott Hudson. No, don't chop him. No. Yes. Oh. Oh. He topped him down like a giant. 
Mr. Russo, what did you get yourself into here? Mr. Russo. Oh! He picked him up to chop him down again. Flair is like a machine gun with those chops. Let's not forget what is on the line tonight. Let's not forget what Ric Flair has gone through emotionally since Vince Russo has come back into power in WCW. His career, his family, his oldest son has all been taken before him. And now Ric Flair is fighting for his career on consecutive nights. Textbook vertical suplex. Ric Flair sends David down. I give Ric Flair credit. He puts it all on the line night after night after night in front of his family, in front of his former son who he's battling now, and there's the figure four. That's going to do it. Ric Flair, no. Russo's in the ring. That's going to get the baseball bat. Flair could go nowhere. Ric Flair was hooked into the figure four, and you heard what Russo said, that he hated Flair. That he hated the name of Flair. Ric Flair. Ric Flair. Ric Flair's coming. Russo and David pulls Reed off, and Vince Russo is going ballistic on Ric Flair. Now what? Beth, bring your cute little ass in here. This is the last chance you're going to have. There is no call for that at all. It's a man's wife he's calling out. Is this the time to flirt? Oh. What does he mean by this? Hayes. Flair cannot get up. He's busted up for the baseball bat. And Come on, Beth. He's got the Statue of Liberty. What's he doing? Reed Flair being held back. Move it. Relax, DQ rules. The referee is letting this one go, but what does Russo want with Beth Flair in the ring? This is your last chance to jump on my bandwagon. R&B security is coming. They came in. I will bring you to a place that Space Mountain never could you go. Oh, this is Finish pathetic. Beth. Come on. She wants Beth. Finish her. She wants Beth to hit, hit her husband with the celebrity. No, don't do it. She couldn't possibly do it, could she? Do you want that? For crying out loud, don't do it. Too late. Russo she won't do it. Oh, he whacked him in the head. He has whacked him in the head. And he's choking Ric Flair. And he's slapping Ric Flair's out already with a baseball bat. Come on. Ashley could not let this happen to her father. You can understand. years old. You can understand what she's thinking. And they're holding this poor young female down as, as the figure four is on the other end. And Ric Flair looks like he's totally out. He is totally out. What do you mean looks like he is totally out? They're holding. Hang on a second. That's, that towel was thrown in. Megan Flair threw the towel in, Megan, I think. Megan, Megan, she threw the towel in, it's over. His oldest child, his oldest daughter, Megan, threw the towel in. Flair can't, he can't continue. His daughter threw in the towel for Ric Flair. Well, she couldn't stand by to see her father take the paint anymore. What, wait a minute, it's sinking in. His career's over. Is that it? That's His career's be it. over. Ric Flair's career is over. This is disgusting that a man like Ric Flair would have his career ended like this. We have followed his career for many years. This, make, this makes me sick to my stomach to see the career end like this with his family being held with doing? a baseball bat with a double foot. They... They're going to shave his head. They're going to shave Ric Flair's head. Are they gonna... That was not part of the deal. This my is going to happen. Trademark, no! not the blonde mane. No, that's been the one trademark of Ric Flair. 25 years in this sport, Ric Flair, the nature boy. How many times have we seen those blonde locks covered in blood, shaking when he won the World Heavyweight Championship? And this scum, Russo, 
quickly as we can see it. Gets Russo's plan. It took a while, but it finally worked. Here's Negan, who couldn't stand to see her dad just punished. Look at Ric Flair. I can't believe this. We have never witnessed anything like this. Ric Flair's head was shaved. Ric Flair's career is what, over. What are they doing now? They're trying to shave the hair of Reed Flair. Oh, please, someone, oh, no. someone with any compassion, get out of here. And they shaved his head, too. Vince Russo, you are scum. Sport, there is no one lower than you in a sport full of no people. What you have done to the Flair family. We don't endorse this. We've got to go to a break right now. So, yes, if you want to summarize, Ric Flair's WCW in-ring career was over. Courtesy of Megan Flair, we had Ric Flair's head shaved almost bald. And, yes, they did cut about what, three quarters of his hair off? You had Reed Flair, who was 12 years old at the time, get his head shaved a little bit. You had fucking, oh my God, it was not good. It really wasn't. And, you know, just a little tidbit. Ric Flair legitimately was pretty much done with his in-career, in-ring career at the time in WCW. He would only have two more matches uh, before WCW closed its doors. Obviously, the last ever Nitro, March 26, 2001, against Sting. But what people may forget is the week before, on Thunder, he actually wrestled as well. So, you know, he had two matches the last week in WCW's history. And finally, this week in 2000, the A&E channel gave us that Hulk Hogan biography that a lot of people always remember. You know, obviously, it's outdated now since, you know, Hogan's had much more go down since 2000, but it was pretty entertaining at the time. Biography, that show was kicking out some really good wrestling-related ones. The Andre the Giant one, I love to this day. 2001, Stacey Keebler makes her WWE debut. Basically, you know, we're right after Nitro, WCW closing its doors. In the ring, Test versus Rhino for the Hardcore Championship. Test wins the belt, and Rhino is distracted because Stacey Keebler comes out with Shane. They're representing WCW. You have uh, Stacey Keebler, you know, shaking her ass. Very, very sexy. Interesting debut. Also this week in 01, we had the storyline of someone stalking The Undertaker's wife, Sarah. And we were getting these segments on TV where a voice was scrambled. Now, geeks, it's funny how these geeks need all this fucking attention on Twitter and on social media that they, they have the nerve to call other people geeks, but they have to fucking fake news shit all the time with wrestling just to get hits and attention and likes and stuff like that. You know, they kind of make fun of the fact that back in 2001, when we were watching the stalker angle on TV, we're trying to figure out who the fuck the voice is. It wasn't geeky to try to figure it out. It was simple. A lot of fans at the time thought that the, whoever the voice was, was the stalker. Sure, any wrestler could do it. I mean, look, uh, Ole Anderson you know, was the voice of fucking uh, the Shockmaster. <laughs> Well, I, I'm not even going to do Shockmaster Pro. No, no, I'm not going to imitate him right now. But, you know, uh, uh, you're going to see me. See me. I, I, I remember it. I fucking hated the Shockmaster gimmick. But anyway, 
So we hear the voice and people are like, holy shit, you know, it's the who done it. You know, like who's who's the stalker? So how do you find out? Either dirt sheets are gonna reveal it, or you know, you try to descramble the fucking stalker voice, and maybe it's gonna reveal who the stalker is. Well, there was a little controversy at this time in 2001 because some people actually descrambled the voice. And, you know, we got an interesting surprise as far as who the voice was. First, let me give you this little clip that went down this week in 2001 on WWE television with The Stalker talking about The Undertaker's wife, Sarah. Undertaker, you've left Sarah alone again. Once again, Sarah's hiding out. This time, though, with protection. Undertaker, there is no protection from me. Because what I want, Undertaker, is beyond what you've ever imagined. I'm tired of your gamesmanship, Undertaker. Your twisted, sordid mind. It's time for me to come forward. It's time for me, Undertaker. It's time for my dreams to come true. Okay, so now online, there's no footage of that voice decoded or anything like that. So just to show you how easy it is, I said, okay, I'll take out my Gold Wave program. I'll fucking change the pitch to 130%. After I do that, I'll slow the clip down to 36 seconds. And if you want to do it for yourself, I just told you how. And after you do those two very simple little tweaks, you get this. Undertaker. You've left Sarah alone again. Once again, Sarah's hiding out. This time, though, with protection. Undertaker, there is no protection from me. Because what I want, Undertaker, is beyond what you've ever imagined. I'm tired of your gamesmanship, Undertaker. Your twisted, sordid mind. It's time for me to come forward. It's time for me, Undertaker. It's time for my dreams to come true. So now, why was it news at the time? Because a lot of people started reporting that Vince McMahon was the stalker. So they had to fucking change the storyline very, very quickly. I think within a week or two, Diamond Dallas Page was revealed as Undertaker's wife's stalker. There you go. I thought it was interesting. 2002, Major League Wrestling, MLW, has their first ever event from the ECW arena. It was called Genesis. I have told the stories in the past. I was sitting there up close and personal. It was myself, Matt Zombie, Brian Damage, Timmy Austin, God rest the soul. I miss you, buddy. I get to talk about you again in a couple of moments. You know, XPW on its way to the Northeast, yours truly working for XPW at the time, we had to try to get the word out as much as possible. This is a true story. And just the abbreviated one, some of you already know it. So, you know, at the time, you got fucking Mike Johnson, PW Spyware, which I think was OneWrestling.com at the time, fucking Bob McGee, that fucking piece of shit. They're all trying to sabotage XPW coming to the Northeast because you already got CZW there. You already got Ring of Honor there. They don't want nothing to do with fucking XPW on the Northeast. You got fucking MLW now, and they were trying to do everything possible. So it was our job to drive all the way to Philly, 
and flyer everybody who's at MLW. Just like I think the following week or two, we went back all the way to Philly to flyer everybody who went to CZW's event. So we fucking sat, you know, like third row for MLW, and it was an awesome show. We loved it. And I've talked about the chance that Mad Zombie had started at the time, but it was it was a great show. Jerry Lynn over La Parker. Vampire, now, these were quarterfinal matches to determine the first MLW Heavyweight Champion. Jerry Lynn over La Parker, Vampire over Christopher Daniels, Tayokea over The Wall, Shane Douglas over Steve Carino. I still have some awesome photos that I took myself of that match between Carino and Douglas. I have them in my computer. Prince Nana, Super Hentai, and Ultra Taro Jr. over Devin Storm, Abunai, and Rising Sun. And Prince Nana, I love you, my friend. You know, I don't want to get into his what his personal life business dealings were, but me and Prince Nana actually did business related to my insurance office many years ago. Um, but I will never forget that match just to watch someone in particular literally laying on the mat that looked just winded. Some of you will know what I'm talking about. PJ Friedman over Shirley Doe. You had Shane Douglas over Jerry Lynn in a semifinal match. Vampiro and Tayokea fought to a draw. So because um, there were no buys in the tournament, they both advanced to the final. So they took on Shane Douglas, and Shane Douglas became the first ever MLW World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, 2002 as well. You know, this was only days after Steve Austin walking out of WWE. We learn on uh, line that Texas cops and Antonio Texas cops were called to the house of Steve and Deborah at the time. And uh, Deborah had some bruises on her face, some welts, and uh, they were looking for Steve Austin, accused of assault. Um, you know, he disappeared. He was on the run. He ended up turning himself in, charged with misdemeanor assault. He ended up pleading no contest, got one-year probation, fined $1,000, some community service, but it was not good at the time. On Raw, to address Steve Austin walking out, Vince kind of teased the whole night that Austin was going to appear. But at the very end of the night, The Rock came out. Rock was supposed to come back for July. He was obviously out doing uh, some movies, but he decided, WWE worked it out, that he was going to actually uh, start his return sooner and was going to be appearing at the upcoming King of the Ring pay-per-view. Uh, 2003, NWA TNA, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. We had a three-way dance for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Jeff Jarrett versus AJ Styles versus Raven. And I got to tell you, man, I've talked about this in the past. TNA and now Impact Wrestling, fucking terrible how they refuse to allow people online to you know, post full matches. Yes, I agree. Bootleg copyright, you know, you want to make money, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, the amount of footage that they have shut down, it is very hard to stream, you know, any substantial clips together for you to enjoy on these shows. I'm not saying to play the entire match, but, you know, to only allow 45 seconds, two minutes, it's very hard to celebrate stuff like that. And I tell you, you could go check it out right now if you want on Impact Wrestling's website. They actually have this match featured. And what's fucking terrible about it is they portray it that it's AJ Styles versus Jeff Jarrett. There's no mention of Raven whatsoever. And I'm like, 
does the person who posted it even know who the participants in the match were? That's because whoever posted it, they only posted the last minute and a half of it. So since there's no sign of Raven, the person who fucking posted it probably has no idea Raven was even in the fucking match. And that's God awful. There is no excuse for that, especially because of the history that was made in this match. Here are the closing. Trust me, it's more than... 45 seconds. Closing five or six minutes of the match between Raven, Jeff Jarrett, and AJ Styles for the NWA World Heavyweight title. All three men down. Who's going to get to their feet first? Jarrett to a knee. Raven's up and Jarrett's there. Catches him with a right hand. Face first goes Raven into the top turnbuckle courtesy of Jarrett. At some point, Mike, the loss of blood on Raven's going to be a factor here. He continues to Oh, man! Jarrett caught Styles with an elbow when he was tossed into the ropes. Styles out of the floor. Attempt at the Raven effect is stopped and blocked. Oh, he caught it. Here's the pin. Here it is. Here's one, two, one, two, one. What? What the Shane Douglas? Shane Douglas? What the hell is Shane Douglas doing here? Shane Douglas has just come out. He's pulled Raven out of the ring. What is going on, Mike? Chair shot from Douglas on Raven, and they battle to the back of the TNA Asylum. What the hell is Shane Douglas doing here? Was it something that Jeff had planned or something? Mike, even launch here. Shane Douglas is literally taking Raven out of the building. He just put Raven through a table, and then he's opening the back door here at the Asylum, and they battle outside. Oh, Styles, championship belt. Caught him right smack dab in the face. He leveled Jared with the title belt. AJ Styles! He can put him away here! Raven is no longer a factor! We'll try to find out more about that, but here it comes! What's he gonna do? Here it goes! to the top! Yeah! He's got it! That just like Dino's! Splash just like Dino's! We talked earlier how Dino had learned so much from AJ! Vice versa! AJ using Dino's patented frog splash! Look at this! Caught it perfectly, but Jarrett dug down deep, and Jarrett kicked out. We've seen Jeff Jarrett so resilient in so many matches. I'll tell you what, if Jeff Jarrett retains this title, he deserves all the accolades. Because it's basically two-on-one when you think about it at the start, because it's his belt to lose. Styles on the offensive, clubbing blows to the back. Quick knee to the face of Jarrett, pulls him out of the corner. Shocks him that time with a forearm smash and rocks him into the corner, but Jarrett gets the elbow up and the charging Styles is stopped momentarily. Styles back to it. Jarrett cuts him off. Oh, Jeff just leveled him. Flings him Here down. Is. Rolls Here him over. Is. Here's the pin. One, two, two. Now AJ fights out. Oh, my. Again, this great crowd at the asylum on their feet. Jared and Style. is totally out of the picture at this point. Shane Douglas just hauled him outside, Mike. Beat the tar out of him. Well, it looked like, looked like Styles was going to go for Jarrett's own figure four. Perfect block that time. Jarrett sends him out. Is there any, any way we can get an update on the situation involving Raven? Roll up in the ring. 
Jarrett, the champ, back to the offensive. Jarrett has got Styles in trouble. Oh. Styles able to push off. Oh man, the, you could see the fatigue there on AJ. He just couldn't stay up there to, to get some kind of a velocity off the top rope there. But wait a minute, here he goes. Springboard. Oh man, Jeff got the knees up. Sales, Mike. Watch how he gets the knees up here. Last one second. Jared caught him. Both knees to the midsection. Wait a minute. Russo. And he's got a guitar. Oh, no. Oh, oh look no. Out, AJ. Russo out. Oh, no. Russo's going to be. That would be AJ Styles' first reign as champion. 2004, Rey Mysterio defeats Chavo Classic on SmackDown to win the Cruiserweight Championship. Right after the match was over, Chavo Classic was released, missing a couple of WWF house shows, WWE house shows, unannounced, you know, just not showing up. And uh, do you remember Chavo Classic's excuse at the time? He actually told WWE that he was drugged and kidnapped. Why you would not file police reports, I have no idea. Isn't it funny when you hear today of people claiming some type of assault outside the wrestling ring in real life? You notice how it's weird that sometimes, you know, they make these claims, but police are never called. 2004 as well, WWE has their Bad Blood pay-per-view from Columbus, Ohio. Batista over Maven. Chris Benoit and Edge over La Resistance, so the tag titles do not change hands. Chris Jericho over Tyson Tomko. For the Intercontinental Championship, Randy Orton retains, defeating Shelton Benjamin. Fatal four-way match for the Women's Championship, Trish Stratus over Victoria, Gail Kim, and Lita. So Trish is your new champion. Eugene over to coach for the world heavyweight title. Chris Benoit retains over Kane. And a Hell in a Cell match. Triple H defeats Shawn Michaels. 2005 ECW One Night Stand. Hammerstein Ballroom, New York. What more can I say to what I've said over the years? I've played so many clips from this event over the years. It's What an awesome return for ECW. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Still stands up to the test 
today's standards. And, you know, it got so much good success and feedback from it that WWE decided to bring back ECW as a third brand, which we will cover in a moment. First off, the match results from this night, Lance Storm over Chris Jericho. Super crazy over Tajiri and Little Green over the three-way. Rey Mysterio over Sikosis. Sabu over Rhino. Chris Benoit over Eddie Guerrero. Mike Awesome over Masato Tanaka. The Dudleys over Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman. Um, Paul Heyman's promo that he caught that night. Who could ever forget the controversy with Blue Meanie and JBL? I mean, it, you know, it wasn't going to be strictly just ECW. You knew that. But from top to bottom... You know, that's one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. Not just because I was a diehard ECW fan, but it's just so, it was so enjoyable and the crowd made it even more enjoyable. And speaking of the crowd, this is why we're going to share this once again. One year later, same week in history, 2006, One Night Stand returns again. And remember, shortly after this, days after this, WWE would debut ECW as a regular third brand on Sci-Fi which we'll cover in a moment. First, match results from this night, Taz over Jerry Lawler, Kurt Angle over Randy Orton, the FBI over Super Crazy and Tajiri. In an extreme rules match for the World Heavyweight Championship, Rey Mysterio versus Sabu entered, ended in a no contest. Intergender extreme rules match, Edge leader Mick Foley over Beulah, Terry Funk, and Tommy Dreamer. Very, very good match. Loved it. Bulls Mahoney over Masato Tanaka in an Extreme Rules match. And in the main event, oh, man, why did you fucking get busted with Sabu driving a car with weed and everything? Oh, what a, talk about one of the biggest blunders of this era. First, the Extreme Rules match for the WWE Championship. John Cena, who was the champion at the time, taking on Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam was in this match because he was Mr. Money in a Bank, and he had cashed in his briefcase to face John Cena at one night stand. Enjoy the match. Enjoy the crowd. And then uh, it starts to go downhill very quickly. Thank <laughs> you. 
afterwards, this is going to be a hell of a match. This audience just might be getting a scene, and there's no doubt. Listen, you get that kind of chance to wreck it after the Cena. Cena, Cena, you can't wrestle. John Cena responds to the wrestling move. A cradle suplex. But John Cena may not want to fall to the trap of trying to answer these ECW fans. I know, I gotta tell you, Cena can't wrestle, but it, he sure as hell can fight. He's a tough cat, I'm telling you, but damn, damn. ECW crowd is definitely getting to the WWE Champion. Van oh, oh, oh. this is the insecurity, but caught John Cena in the face of the outside. Cena better get his rear end back in that ring. He might be better off for Van Dam than this rabid audience. Look at this. Right across the head, man. Upside your head. Almost like a mule kick in midair by Rob Van Dam. In comes the WWE Champion, John Cena. And it's known to those champion and challenger talking smack. I'll tell you, I don't know if RBD wants a brawl with Cena and mix it up with him. We gotta see if the Cena could throw hands. Asking Rob, though. I'm not sure if RBD wants to trade fists with John Cena. This is unbelievable! It's phenomenal, man. Uh oh Down goes the WWE Champion! Nice power slam with your leg cover! That's the other thing that Cena does have. Power. Very strong, strong athlete. Uh-oh. Press on the outside. I don't know. You move. Thanks. <laughs> you better. 
the better of that. Once you're going to leave New York without your championship, this isn't good for Cena. Bob Van Dam definitely more adept at using a gym than John Cena, but Cena beats all me needed to punch little. There goes the camera, man. I think we have more of this. And there goes a two. Oh, watch this. Oh, oh! Rob Van Dam launched into the third row by the WWE Champion John Cena, who apparently has seen tapes of Rob Van Dam and ECW. Took the words out of my mouth, mouth, mouth style. I was going to say this. No doubt Cena scouted. Van Dam, oh, Cena in the back. John Cena going out among the ECW crowd. That's not good. That's like a damn goldfish going to see a shot. Get him! Get him! The title could change it right now, Van Damme on top! This is it! 
an upper body of Cena. Cena is in trouble. Now, how hard must it be for John Cena to get breath in his body right now? Van Dam repeatedly crushing the sternum of the WWE Champion. Here we go now. I, where's Rob going? Who the hell knows what Van Dam's gonna do with that chair? Uh oh. Oh, I know what this is. I've seen this. I've been there. Split leg. Oh, so the WWE Champion Cena got the steel chair up. Desperation defense by the WWE Champion. Well, Cena scattered that on Rob. Scattered that on Rob, but. Rob 
Van Dam with an NBA-like oh. vertical leap. And <laughs> Rob Van Dam, the challenger, taking advantage of the ECW rules, but definitely favor him. Van Dam now bringing that table in the ring. Lord knows what Van Dam's got in mind for Cena with that table. Time support for Van Dam in his house. Bob Van Dam setting up that table in the corner. That does not bode well for the WWE champion. What the hell was that? Oh! 
for Mercedes. Wait a minute, Edge. So look, within a matter of what, a couple of weeks, two weeks, I don't have the exact date in front of me. I know we're covering it very, very soon. RVD is busted with Sabu, driving on a fucking road with drugs. Not big time drugs, but enough that RVD's push would come to a sudden halt. And, you know, just everything was just horrendous after that. But we got to talk about it very quickly. A couple of days later, sci-fi. We're all excited. We'll finally get to see ECW rebranded in the WWE. Third brand, its own TV show, blah, 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 blah. And look, me personally, I get choked up thinking about it. It's weird how haters out there absolutely hate the fact that I actually have friends in wrestling, let alone one of my fellow hotline hosts, You know, back then, you know, everybody knows me for the most part from DTKC show. DTKC show started in, what, 06, around this time? You know, I go back to 1997 doing hotlines. I had many other hosts, co-hosts at the time. And one point, we did the Blackheart Sports Entertainment Hotline. Yours truly, Brian Damage, Mad Zombie, and Timmy Arson. And we did it for quite some time, had the infamous Blackheart shirts, still love to this day that a lot of indie wrestlers actually wore our shirts coming to the ring, you know, for various events. Don't ask me why, you know, to have so many people tuning into a hotline and loving it, it was just phenomenal. And Timmy Arson, love him to death, you know, 
for people that can't figure it out by now or don't know, he was the ECW zombie. And there's been a lot of proof over the years that uh, not only was I good friends with him, but, you know, he did business with me personally. I insured his cars. You know, I, we were good friends. Um, you know, I always stuck up for him, even the way he was misused on a lot of indie events. And he always gave me credit as the per- person who convinced him to keep the ECW zombie gimmick going on the indie circuit. You know, Timmy Austin, if you ever looked at him at the time, he had just an unbelievable physique, got a great look, but, you know, a lot of people felt that his in-ring work was not polished to the point. So when he fucking debuted on ECW TV as the zombie, albeit one appearance only, you know, he started doing it on the indie circuit. And what he fucking hated was the fact that, you know, he would have these novelty matches as a zombie And he wanted to show what Timmy Arson could do. And there's an infamous photo that I have on my Patreon page and other places of me squeezing his nipples and stuff like that. And we had a very long talk one time um, driving to, I can't remember where we were going. And, you know, I had said to him, I said, look, you know, this is money. You Polaroids, kids, be the friendly fucking zombie. Of course, you know, you have to do what the promoter tells you to do for the most part. But, you know, don't feel that, you know, Timmy Austin's a failure because the zombie is what everybody wants. You know, just be the ECW zombie. Have fun. Have a blast. Make money. And this guy made a killing on Polaroids. Friendly zombie. I worked many shows with him. And sadly, he is deceased. You know, just really, really fucking sad. I miss that guy. I miss doing hotlines with him. You know, anybody that's been a longtime friend of mine and listener to all the work that I have done knows the history of uh, Timmy Oz. So, yes, you know, I spent uh, three minutes on my friend. Yeah, you better damn believe that I'm going to do that. So this week in 06, we had the uh, ECW debut on Sci-Fi, and I always joke that, you know, Timmy Austin is a Trivial Pursuit question, wrestling-related. Who is the first person to wrestle in the WWE version of ECW as far as the rebranding of the promotion? And it was, in fact, the zombie. He took on the Sandman, the first ever match on Sci-Fi. I'm not going to lie to you, man. And he he admitted at the time, and we joked about it on the hotline for fucking weeks. We were like, what the fuck did they do to ECW? I mean, we understood because it was sci-fi. They had to have a little bit of sci-fi involved in it as well. Mordecai, you know, the vampire fangs and all this other shit. You know, and we laughed at the zombie thing, but it did not work. It did not work. 2006. What is it? Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest is scheduled for one fall. Introducing first, the zombie. The zombie? The zombie? The, the, the zombie? What is a rip? What is this? I can, I can assure everyone watching the world premiere of ECW on Sci-Fi, the zombie is, well, not an offering of ECW or sci the zombie? Hey, look, I spent a lot of time in ECW. What the hell is this? I, I, I never saw no zombie. I, look, he's an ugly-looking look, ugly SOB, and 
you'll breed unleashed, that's for sure. That's riveting right there. What the hell is this guy about? This is laughable. What the hell is that? All right. This is ridiculous. Did a pretty damn good zombie, though. But, yeah, it didn't want it in ECW. Anyway, 2007 TNA Slammiversary, Nashville, Tennessee. You had Rhino and Senshi over the LAX. For the X Division Championship, Jay Lethal wins the belt, defeating Chris Saban. Frank Wycheck and Jerry Lynn defeat James Storm and Ron Killings. Bob Backlund over Alex Shelley. Voodoo Kin Mafia over Basham and Damager. Eric Young over Robert Roode. Team 3D retained the World Tag Team titles, defeating Rick Steiner and Road Warrior Animal. Sting over Christopher Daniels. Abyss over Tomko in a no-DQ match. In the main event, King of the Mountain match for the vacant 
World Heavyweight title, Kurt Angle defeats Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Chris Harris, and Christian Cage. Same week, controversy. 2007 draft lottery, Monday Night Raw. Draft lottery wasn't the news this week. It was Mr. McMahon Appreciation Night. The very end of the night, Mr. McMahon walks down the back area with the roster. You know, obviously, Paul London creating a little controversy for himself. Vince McMahon looks around. It's awfully quiet. Gets in the limousine, and the fucking limousine exploded. I always said back then, to, to me, the death of attitude was, you know, if you want to look at one particular moment, I always looked at the limousine. Yes, that's not the moment, but for me, it was the point. You know, if there was something to represent it, to me, it was that. But what was interesting, and I put a little screenshot on the synopsis this week, some newspapers thought it was real for a very short period of time. The stock market actually dropped the next day because remember, they were on the stock market now. They tried to portray on the website that he was killed. But you see, WWE was slick, and a lot of people picked up on this, but a lot of people didn't. WWE would always reference him as Mr. McMahon, not Vince McMahon. Yes, websites would carelessly put, carelessly put Vince in it. You had newspapers and outlets put Vince in it. But WWE would always say Mr. McMahon try to differentiate that Vince McMahon and Mr. McMahon are two totally different things. Vince McMahon portraying Mr. McMahon. So when they were basically doing the whodunit of Mr. McMahon being presumed dead, some people thought it was real. You had people who lived in and around Wilkes Bar calling the police about the explosion. They had to quickly tell residents that this was all staged. Mr. McMahon was not injured. And, you know, this obviously the storyline would get dropped in a matter of weeks, because of the Benoit tragedy. But that happened in 07. And believe it or not, we fast forward two years later, more controversy with websites in the stock market. Two years later, on Monday Night Raw, Vince McMahon announces that he has sold Monday Night Raw to this man. Well, we have a new WWE champion at no we have a new owner here at Raw. I, I don't... I'm in shock still. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the chairman of World Wrestling Entertainment, Mr. McMahon. You see Mr. McMahon with the uh, usual confidence in his eyes and across his face, but you got to believe, King, this has got to be such an emotional moment for Mr. McMahon. His family is in a moment for me. His family is owned and, and run Monday Night Raw since it's inception 17 years ago. Do you have any idea who the new owner might be? No clue. I wouldn't even well, venture Behind me, D'Angelo Williams from the Panthers. You think maybe Jerry Richardson? He's the owner of the Carolina Panthers. We're in Charlotte. Now, Mr. McMahon did say that he believed there'd be no chance in hell that this person would ever own Monday Night Raw. This is about to be history made right here. Tonight I uh, come to you with a, with a heavy heart. And um, I've done a lot of soul searching over the last several weeks. I've had conversations with uh, my family, my friends, and my financial advisors. And at this stage of my career, there's no doubt that I have made the right decision to sell Monday Night Raw. 
Monday Night Raw will be uh, independently owned and operated by a man with whom I have a, a history with. However, never, never allow your personal feelings getting in the way of a, a good business decision. I've been compensated uh, in an overwhelming fashion, which for a man of my standards is saying something. So uh, allow me without further ado to introduce you to the man uh, via satellite. Joining us now, ladies and gentlemen, the new and no doubt proud owner of Monday Night Raw, Donald J. Trump. Thanks, Vince. You finally put your ego aside and made a smart business move <laughs> for a change. Uh, it's true. I, Donald Trump, am now the sole owner of Monday Night Raw. You know, Vince, you never really showed your appreciation for the Raw audience. Never once did I see that appreciation. Well, that's not true, I'm Doc. going to do stuff that's never been done before, never been seen before. People have been watching Raw for 17 years and they deserve something special. You've made a uh, lot of money off these people. It's about time you give back. I, like our president says, give back. No, 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 wait a minute, Donald. I, I have been giving back and I've been doing it for, for some time. And quite frankly, I don't think it's too much for us for the WWE Universe to give back to me. Giving back and... Raw has produced more weekly episodes than any show in entertainment history, and the WWE Universe is the reason why. Well, I, it's I'd time agree. they got something back. A little appreciation for their loyalty for being a fan. What? My first act as owner is to do something unprecedented, unheard of, something you were too selfish and cheap to make happen, Vince. For the no, first time in its 17-year history, Next week, Raw will be presented live on USA Commercial Free. Wait a minute. <laughs> I know Donald has a sense of humor. You're really not serious about the commercial free stuff. Commercial free. I didn't sound like That's a Donald right, Trump. Vince. It'll be commercial free. I'll repeat that for you, Vince. Commercial free. No commercials. The whole telecast. No commercials. That's because of Donald Trump. Who ever heard of something like no this? No one's ever heard of anything like that, quite frankly. I certainly haven't, and um, I think you've lost your marbles. I mean, it's all about the money. And guess what, Vince? I'm personally going to be at Raw next week to run things the way I want to see them run, meaning the right way. So look, a little word of advice. Don't get in my way. And oh, by the way, Vince, right. you look better bald. I had so much fun shaving That's your enough head. of that. I That's had enough. So Cut, it much fun Cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it off. So what happens, everyone? The fucking stock market, again, takes a little bit of a tumble. You know, some investors are concerned. Donald Trump owning Raw. You know, it, it was all a storyline. They had to quickly fucking clear that shit up. You know, obviously the next week we had commercial free roll, which was fun. And the storyline quickly would get dropped once again. 
In fact, next week was fun because didn't uh, he fire Santino Morella? I think I may have to find that for next week. I hated fucking Santino Morella. Not personally, but never liked the character. The only time I ever rooted for him when he was in that, what, Elimination Chamber match and we thought for a split second he could possibly win it. Very, very short time that I was a fan of his. Same week, 2009 Ring of Honor at the Manhattan Mayhem event. Uh, Manhattan Mayhem 3, to be exact, from the Hammerstein Ballroom. Uh, Mitsuharu Masawa, who had just passed away. The nice little tribute for him. Young Bucks over Kenny King and Red Titus. Necro Butcher over Jimmy Rave. Roderick Strong over Sunjay Dutt. Jimmy Jacobs over Tyler Black in a first blood match. You had Colt Cabana over Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and D'Lo Brown. Believe it or not, I know some people are going to say immediately, D'Lo Brown, that sounds like, uh, you know, it doesn't make, no, it actually wasn't a bad match. American Wolves over El Generico and Kevin Seen to retain the Ring of Honor tag titles. Jay Briscoe over Little Guido. Austin Aries over Jerry Lynn and Tyler Black in a three-way to win the Ring of Honor World Championship. Nigel McGuinness was the special guest referee. Um, you know, Nigel McGinnis, we know what happened with his health, but, uh, you know, what coulda, shoulda been obviously didn't happen. But at the time, Austin Aries became the first man to win the ROH title more than once. Same week, Chris Jericho records what we would see later on in the year, the VH1 special 100 most shocking moments in music history. Wasn't bad. I think it's entertaining. If you want to see some retro Chris Jericho, you may have never even seen that at the time. You know, Chris Jericho, you know, testing the waters to be, a, uh, you know, in the entertainment business outside of wrestling and did a damn good job of it. It's a shame his game show, I think it was ABC, did not work out all that well. It wasn't his fault. Just the concept did not click. 2010 WWE releases Brian Danielson. This was due to the incident during the Nexus debut on Raw, where he choked out Justin Roberts. Uh, you know, this was probably one of the best things that could have had happened to Daniel Bryan because just fans just wanted him back. And, you know, WWE would bring him back about, what, two months later? Felt a lot longer than that. Uh, same week, Dixie Carter trying to get a little bit of attention to the product. Didn't work out as well as she thought it would. First off, we had the uh, Slammiversary 8 taking place later on in the week. And she was teasing about a nice surprise that was going to be happening at Slammiversary. Now, the nice surprise ended up being Tommy Dreamer, who was just let go from WWE. A lot of people laughed at it. I thought it wasn't bad. Fans were live, liked it. You know, he distracted Bully Ray. Or Brother Ray at the time. So Jesse Neal got a win over Brother Ray. Other match results from that night. Title versus a career match for the knockouts title. Madison Rain over Roxy. For the X Division Championship, Doug Williams retains over Brian Kendrick. Kurt Angle over Kazarian. Matt Morgan over Hernandez. In a Monsters Ball match, Abyss over Desmond Wolf. Jay Lethal over AJ Styles. Jeff Hardy and Mr. Anderson over Beer Money. Main event for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, RVD defeats Sting. So after Dreamer's debut, this would ultimately lead to Hardcore Justice and uh, Mika Honeys. And then some other tweets that Dixie Carter tweeted online this week. First tweet, it's 6.30 a.m., been up for hours, so excited I can't sleep. TNA is about to change forever. Can't wait to share it with you, my staff and the talent. Then next tweet, just got off the phone with Spike TV's president, Kevin Kay. He is all in and agrees. This will change TNA on every level. 
So now people think this is all going to go down at Slammiversary. So she has to clarify her tweet a little bit. And she says, you know, to clarify, I won't be making this announcement on how TNA will change forever. You'll see in the upcoming weeks. It ended up, I guess, the big shocking thing was 10, 10, 10, and hardcore justice. And it was just, I don't know. 2010 was an interesting year for TNA. If you want to call it turning point, pun intended, maybe 2010 was the year. 2011, WWE releases Michael Tarver, Jacob Novak, and Shane Canterbury. 2012, No Way Out, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Brodus Clay over David Otunga. Sheamus retains World Heavyweight Championship of Dal Ziggler. Santino Morello over Ricardo Rodriguez in a tuxedo match. For the Intercontinental Championship, Christian retains over Cody Rhodes. Fatal four-way match to determine number one contenders for the tag titles, primetime players with AW. Whatever happened to him? Over Justin Gabriel and Tyson Kidd, Primo and Epico and the Usos. Yard Layla retained the Divas Championship over Beth Phoenix, Sincato over Hunico. Triple threat match for the WWE Championship, CM Punk retains over Kane and Daniel Bryan. Ryback over Dan Delaney and Rob Grimes. And the main event is still cage match. Stipulation, John Cena, if he wins, John Laurinaitis was, would be fired. If Big Show won, John Cena would have to have been fired as well. So the outcome, well, we know Cena was never fired. So John Cena with Mr. McMahon in his corner over the Big Show with John Laurinaitis in his corner. John Laurinaitis, yeah, fired. 2012, New Japan's 40th anniversary uh, tour, the Dominion 616 from Osaka, Japan. Daisuke Sasaki and the Golden Lovers of Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega. Over Bushi Kushida and Prince Devitt. Rocky Romero, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi over Captain New Japan with Tari Inouye and Yuji Nagata. For the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. Jushin Dunlager and Tiger Mask over Taichi and Takamichi Noko to win the vacated titles. You had MVP and Shelton Benjamin over Carl Anson and Tamatonga. Loki retains the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship over Ryuzuki Taguchi. Chaos, which was Takahashi, Izuka, and Toriyano, they retained the IWGP Tag Team titles. They wrestled Hiroyoshi, Tenzan, and Satoshi Kojima. Went to a double countout. And a no contest. You had Masato Tanaka and Shinsuke Nakamura over Hiroki Goto and Tetsuya Naito. Toji Makabe over Minoru Suzuki. In the main event for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Tanahashi defeats Okada to win the title. Wrapping up 2012, you know, look, it's sad, obviously, that Vader is no longer with us. It's pathetic that he wasn't in the WWE Hall of Fame before he passed, especially that we knew for like, the two years before that he didn't have that much left in his life. You know, the doctors had diagnosed him with some major heart issues. Remember two years to live and they weren't off by all that much, but you know what? If there was a way to close the chapter of Vader wrestling for the WWE, this surprise appearance in 2012 is the way to go out. Showed up, demolished heats later crowd made it that much more enjoyable this week in 2012, Vader surprises us all, showing up on Monday Night Raw.
Features a former Raw main eventer in honor of the upcoming 1,000th episode of Monday Night Raw, July 23rd. Why are we celebrating past Raw superstars anyway? Because we got a current Raw superstar standing right in front of your face! <laughs> I'm the one-man band, baby! Ugh. And it's time! You hear me? It's my time! It's Slayer time, baby! Slayer time!
And we understand that another, pretty destructive right now. Another great initiative by Mr. Laurinaitis. That a different surprise Raw superstar from the past will be appearing every Monday night until the star-studded Raw 1000 episode on July 23rd. All right, I'm going to get oh, look at this. Okay. I'm going to give Laurinaitis credit for that one. That is a great idea. I mean, listen to how energized this uh, WWE Universe has become seen. This face from the past. Vader looks better than ever. I know it. And Vader into the cover on Slater. And Slater kicks out somehow. I mean, here's a man who was not only, only known for his power moves, but he could fly around the rings oh, and as well. Right, these strikes right here. Southern rock band, some call. Slater's not done yet. Oh, oh my God! Oh. Now Slater may be done. And a Slater somehow manages to kick out again at two. <laughs> I don't know how in the world was Slater thinking. He's gonna body slam Vader? Uh-oh. Listen to this chant. Belly to belly power. We, we know what may be coming here. Oh, talk about a blast from the past. What time is it, Cole? Oh, it's time. It's time. It's time. It's Vader time. Oh, boy. It was Slater time. Twenty thirteen WWE Payback, Rosemont, Illinois. Sheamus over Damian Sandow. Triple threat match for the IC Championship. Curtis Axel wins the belt with Paul Heyman in his corner. He was a Paul Heyman guy. Over the Miz and Wade Barrett. Always remember that match. Pay tribute to his dad, Kurt Henning. AJ Lee with Biggie Langston in her corner over Caitlin uh, to win the Divas Championship. Dean Ambrose retains the United States title, defeating Kane. You had Alberto Del Rio over Dolph Ziggler to win the World Heavyweight Championship. CM Punk over Chris Jericho for the WWE Tag Titles. The Shield over Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton. By the way, the Shield was Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Dean Ambrose had wrestled earlier. The main event, three stages of hell for the WWE Championship. John Cena retains the title, defeating Ryback. 2014 Slammiversary from Arlington, Texas for the X Division title. Sonata retains, defeating Manic, Tigre Uno, Davey Richards, Eddie Edwards, and Crazy Steve. To qualify for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship match later in the night, Lashley over Samoa Joe. Uh, you also had Austin Aries over Kenny King. Both of them qualify. You had Magnus over Willow. The Von Erichs, Marshall and Ross, with Kevin Von Erich in their corner, defeating the Bromans by DQ. It's funny. Everybody talks about Marshall and Ross Von Erich in MLW. They never saw them in Slammiversary. Angelina Love retains a knockouts title. Just shows you how people pay attention, by the way, to uh, you know reporting. Angelina Love retains a knockouts title over Gail Kim. Texas Deathmatch, Ethan Carter III over Bully Wright. 
Mr. Anderson over James Storm, and in a steel cage match for the TNA World Heavyweight title, Eric Young retains, defeating Lashley and Austin Aries. Same week, WWE, having some financial problems, releases JTG, Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal, Oksana, Kurt Hawkins, Theodore Long, Camacho, Brodus Clay, Yoshitatsu, Evan Bourne, and referee Mark Harris. And uh, later on in the year, a whole bunch of office staff was let go. We were supposed to get a second edition of Legends House. That was scrapped. Uh, it was just big-time problems. That, you know, not big-time, but enough that WWE need to make some cuts. Streamlined, some wrestlers lit a fire under their ass. Look at Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal, you know what I'm talking about. You had CM Punk and AJ Lee also get married this week in 14. We're going to wrap this up momentarily. 2015 Money in the Bank, Columbus, Ohio. R-Truth over King Barrett. Money in the Bank ladder match for a WWE World Heavyweight Championship match contract. Sheamus defeats Dolph Ziggler, Kane, Kofi Kingston, Neville, Randy Orton, and Roman Reigns. For the WWE Divas Championship, Nikki Bella retains, defeating Paige. For the Intercontinental Championship, big show over Ryback by DQ, so the belt does not change hands. Champion versus champion match, John Cena, who is the U.S. champion, defeats Kevin Owens, who is the NXT champion. No titles were on the line. For the WWE Tag Titles, the primetime players defeat the New Day to win the belts. Well, how many people remember that? And the main event, a ladder match for the World Heavyweight Championship. The WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Seth Rollins retains, defeating Dean Ambrose. 2016, Gail Kim is announced as the next inductee for the TNA Hall of Fame. We also learned this week at 16 the participants in the first ever Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, you know, in case you want to reminisce, who was in that original tournament? Cody Ibushi, Tajiri, Grand Metallic, Zach Saber Jr., Noam Dar, Demac, Zumbi. Uh, Fabian Aikner, Brian Kendrick, Rich Swan, Gerv and Harv Sarah, Clement Peliot, I believe. Uh, Rich Swan, Cedric Alexander, Tozawa, Jack Gallagher, Tony Nice, Jardy Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Ho Ho Lun, TJ Perkins, Drew Gulak, Anthony Bennett, Tyson Ducks, or Du, depending on how you pronounce it. Lynn Dorado, Sean Malora, Raul Mendoza, Kenneth Johnson, Alejandro Saez, Damian Slater, Aria Davari, and Jason Lee. And finally, 2018 Money in a Bank pay-per-view, Rosemont, Illinois. Dark match, Bludgeon Brothers retain the SmackDown tag titles over Gallows and Anderson. Daniel Bryan over Big Cass. Bobby Lashley over Sami Zayn. For the Intercontinental Championship, Seth Rollins retains over Elias. For the women's Money in a Bank contract, Alexa Bliss beats Charlotte, Ember Moon, Becky, Lana, Naomi, Natty, and Sasha Banks. Roman Reigns over Jinder Mahal. For the SmackDown Women's Championship, Carmella retains over Asuka. Last man standing match for the WWE Championship, AJ Styles retains over Shinsuke Nakamura. For the Raw Women's Championship, Ronda Rousey beats Nia Jax by DQ, so the title does not change hands. Well, at that point, because moments later, you had Alexa Bliss cash in her Money in the Bank contract and defeat Nia Jax to win the title. In the main event, Braun Strowman wins the men's Money in the Bank contract, defeating The Miz, Samoa Joe, Kofi Kingston, Rusev, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, and Bobby Roode. And that is This Week in Wrestling History. Notable birthdays this week. Those who celebrate birthdays who are no longer with us, happy birthday to 
the ultimate warrior, Bruiser Brody, George Harris, Paul Jones, Kurt Von Brauner, Fred Meyer, Louis Martinez, Carl Kowalski, Bonnie Watson, Buddy Roberts, Otto Wands, Drew McDonald, Earl McCready, Brad Armstrong, Stacey Hall, Chico Cortez, Bud Sawyer, Dobie Gillis, Herb Lawson, Larson, excuse me, Billy Sampson, Chris Taylor, Antonio Pena, Sailor Jack Lewis, Jim Wilson, Al Baffert, and Hector Garza. John DeSilva turns 85. Sweet Daddy Siki turns 79. Fred Curry, 78. Dan Crawford, 74. Bill Ash, 73. Ultra 7, 64. Negro Navarro, 62. Ted Arcidi, 61. Magnum TA turns 60. Jacques Rougeau, 59. Scott Norton, 58. Virgil, 57. The Sandman, Jerry Lynn and Johnny Hotbody turn 56. Mascarita Sagrada and Clarence Mason turn 54. Minoru Suzuki, 51. Masao Orihara, Shadow WX and Headbanger Thrasher, along with Yuji Yazaroka, turn 50. Valentin Mayo and Saiki Hazagawa turn 49. Mark Henry and Chuck Palumbo are 48. NASDAQ, Sean Murphy, Larry Destiny, and Nitro Girl Whisper turn 46. Biggie Biggs and the, uh, can't say exterminator, Extermiador, he turns 45. Seji Ikeda and Brian Alvarez are 44. Sonoko Kato, El Psicodelico Jr., and Shirichiro Natsumura. Turn 43. My Japan's gotten pretty good, I think. Masterpiece Marzellus turns 41. Cyanide, 39. Love that name. Diablo, Amarillo, and Masada turn 38. Johnny Candido, happy birthday, my friend. And Victor Daly turn 37. Brad Attitude and Ray Inferno turn 36. G Raver and Apple Mayuki, 34. Yasufumi Nakanao and Red Lightning turn 33. Lady Sensation turns 32. Hikaru Shida, Insane Killer, and Jason Axe turn 31. Bailey turns 30. Tomoyuki Oka turns 28. Isfinjay 26, Rezar of AOP turns 25. And Millie McKenzie, she turns 19. Notable debuts this week in history. Glenn Osborne in 1990. Scott Demore in 92. Oscar in 2004, and Tessa Blanchard in 2014. And finally, notable deaths this week in history. Gypsy Joe died at 82. Diablo Velasco, Tutsmont, and Lord Pinkerton died at age 80. Santos Ramos, 78. And by the way, Santos Ramos just passed away. If you remember WWF 80s and early 90s, Tiny little midget referee, almost looked Asian. Always had a goatee, very, very small. Um, Santos Ramos was that referee, and he owned a gym in Brooklyn. I actually knew a few people used to work out over there. In fact, one time I went with Timmy Arson uh, to the gym. And Johnny Rods uh, always sung the praise of Santos Ramos. Very, very, very likable guy here in New York, and he just passed away. So I want to pay a little tribute because a lot of people, unless a wrestler writes it online, they don't even pay attention. It's sad. Grizzly Smith died at age 77. Floyd Marshall at 76. Joe Malik at 73. Rod Trongard, Caballero Rojo, Suni Warcloud, and Princess Tona Toma died at 72. Dusty Rhodes and Whitey Whitler died at 69. Wolfgang Earl at 68, Cesar Valentino 67, Johnny DiPaolo at 64, 
Mike Clancy at 63, Pat McGill at 60, Sensational Sherry died at age 59, Al Green and Pat Kennedy at 57, Hans Lurch at 54, Archangel de la Muerte at 51, Buddy Wayne at 50, Dick Murdoch at 49, Mitsuharu Masawa at 46, Peter Mayavia at 45, Mark Gedge at 44, Alberto Torres at 37, Danny Ames, what an awesome guy, man. I had the privilege to call him friend. I was actually in a wedding party with him. Lived on my girlfriend's block, too. Um, anybody that was a fan of Northeast Indie Wrestling over the last 10, 15 years, you knew who Danny Ames was. He died at only age 34. And La Fro de Loto died at 27. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Had so much fun putting it together. Uh, one took a lot out of me. I'm not going to lie to you. So if, if we don't do many more of these, this was a way to go out with a bang. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD, the website DonTony.com. Email me DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC Show. Remember, the Discord channel, just banging 24-7, 365. Trust me. Sign up there. It's free. You'll see what I'm talking about. And finally, if you like what we do, want to help support the shows, help us keep these bills paid, keep the lights on, keep some of these shows free for everyone, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Don Tony. For as little as two bucks, you could sign up. You'd be surprised. A lot of people sign up. Goes a long way, and you get a lot of exclusive content in return. Just pass by. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Everyone, be well. Be back with your next episode one week from today, and you take care. Ciao. Support the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle Show on Patreon. Get access to thousands of hours of back episodes. Get bonus episodes and exclusive shows. Castle Chronicles. Breakfast Soup. Pay-per-view recaps. DVDs. Miracuzzi. Tattoos. And more. Support the show that's entertained millions for over 16 years. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Once again, Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200.